0: <laughs> I, can't even, <clears throat> I can't even get my words out right now because Will is denying me treats.
1: You can have your Gwyneth Paltrow CBD treat later. But I need it for our conversation. Okay, that sounds like addict behavior and I don't really need that energy right now.
0: Why? What's the What's the problem?
1: I mean, reliance on chemical substances. As I have a carbonated beverage in one hand and an alcoholic beverage in the other, you know... Coming from a place of, you know, really relying on outside substances is really not good for your mental health. But
0: it's just CBD. It's <clears> not <throat> marijuana. I thought it was, you know, it was really helpful last time in sparking my mind.
1: Was it? It was a bitch to edit so, so to we're to spark, not doing that. I need
0: to spark one up again. and.
1: Uh, no. No. Maybe for right. the after show.
0: Um, There's not going to be an after show this time. Why? Because we have to record two parts in a row. Mm-mm. <clears throat> What? Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. We're doing a two-hour-long extravaganza? I need to do my vocal warm-ups. Oh, boy.
1: I was not prepared for an unbroken streak of talkie times.
0: I'm a little bit tired, and I'm worried that I'm getting sick, which is not good.
1: I think it's just the getting uh, run down.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think sitting in a car for six hours that I like to keep at a nice, cool, crispy 66 degrees is really the move. Uh, all the
0: recycled <clears throat> air. I didn't think about that. Yeah, but that's probably what's bothering me because uh-huh. I don't really feel sick, but my throat is having problems.
1: I was a little itchy, sneezy, runny yesterday. Hmm. So, or we got Philly COVID.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I definitely didn't get COVID. I've already had it. I got the vaccine. I have super immunity. So maybe you got it because you only got the vaccine and you happen to be a weak five-two <laughs> man.
1: And then I mutated it and immediately gave it to you?
0: Maybe. It's possible. Okay. Maybe I have the uh, John's variant. The M-M-M? The J-J-M-M variant? Yeah. I think you have the uh, <clears throat> cheesesteak variant. I have the Pat's variant. You have the Pat's variant, and I have the Geno's variant.
1: Well, that makes sense. Geno's was the racist one. I had to look it ah, up yesterday really? to find
0: out which one was the racist one. Um. Well, there's an even more racist one, which n- the name nope. of I'm not going to say, but... Uh, Really? What did you find out about Geno's?
1: So Geno's had a sign, a post-9-11 sign. Never forget.
0: Okay. Um, Can I guess what it was? Sure. No blacks, no dogs, no Arabs.
1: No, because it's not 1913. It said, when you step up to the window, please order in English. And Oh, people called them racist for that? It's pretty racist. There was also another racist sign, which I don't remember the context of, or the you know, phraseology of. <clears throat> I don't really think that's racist. What if their employees just don't speak other languages? Well, no, because that was it, in the post 9-11. It was like, y'all got to speak English if you're coming to our country. Or like, I take that back. That's that's too far south. You, you guys better speak. I, I can't do a Philly accent for that sentence.
0: What I'm not understanding is you're making you're putting a lot of emphasis on post 9-11. So yes. that would make it sound like Muslims were the problem.
1: Yeah, it was anti-Arabic and anti. But
0: usually, when people Spanish, put up, yeah, well, it, it's anti-Spanish, is what I'm getting mm. at. It has nothing to do with, you know, Arabic people.
1: Mm. People no. don't
0: put up anti-language signs for people speaking what? It only There's went. So it only went up after you know
1: 9/11, and then it was the the original uh, guys, the original owners' dying wish that it stay up in the window. Okay. Yeah. Which is a. Literally a hill to die on.
0: Right, yeah. It definitely has racist roots, I'll give you that. It is sounds Phil- like...
1: Is Philadelphia the city on a hill?
0: Or is that Rome? That's Rome. Well, I
1: don't know. Philadelphia bears no resemblance to Rome. I'll yeah, give you that I one don't know, right know
0: what. I don't know where that was coming from.
1: Or city on a hill. That was, I don't know. Anywho, quick review of Pat's thoughts.
0: Um, by the way, welcome to Green and Lewis. This is Will and I's uh, excursion weekend. Jasper Johns coming up.
1: When you go on vacation, listener, you go on relaxing retreats and perhaps you take some time with some loved ones and relax around a bonfire, making s'mores and playing with the children.
0: Hang on. I'm going to interrupt this bit just just to say this was not a vacation. It was just the weekend. It man. was four days off for me, so, you know. Oh, okay. You know. That's, That's my... also not a vacation. You don't understand, I think, what vacation is, <laughs> what travel is. Well, I... You spend too much time in New York, I think. I... So you get out for six hours and you're like, I went on vacation.
1: If I leave the
0: tri-state area, <laughs> I'm on vacation. You
1: didn't even leave it. The tri-state is New Jersey,
0: New York, Connecticut. I technically oh left God. the tri-state right. area. Fine, if you're really going to be I a stickler the about Benjamin it. the
1: Benjamin Franklin Bridge into Philadelphia. I
0: think Philly counts as the tri-state area. Come I would on. hard disagree. I think in the most strict definition, you're probably right. I'll give you that. But let's be honest. It's two hours away, my friend. But it's across two, sta- two state lines. Anyway, that's not a vacation. We didn't go on vacation. I need the listeners I went on to a tr- understand. We went on a trip. This. Yeah, okay. One of the days. Yes. Yes.
1: I mean, a trip to the west side from central Brooklyn is kind of like, you know.
0: You're turning into the (laughs) oh, hello, guys, where it's like, I live on 72nd in Amsterdam, and I live all the way uptown at 74th in Amsterdam. I'm not going to go uptown. I'm not going to go downtown. I mean. Why don't you just exist on this block? You exist between Lewis and Stuyvesant, and that is it. If you ever got a work from home job, I really don't think you would leave hardly at all.
1: Um,
0: you would drive to Trader Joe's at Court Square. I would go to the and other I Target would, I, at Atlantic Terminal. I would,
1: I would, you know, juggle between the two. Go to one TJs and then the other, and then maybe take, take, you know, big trip to the city to go to the one on. Uh, and occasionally, spring.
0: when you were forced to visit with friends or go to an opening, you would go on vacation to the Lower East Side.
1: I mean, I would clearly pack a bag <laughs> two changes of
0: clothes and really just have to go for it um so anyway anyway we're kind of starting in reverse here because you asked me about my opinion on pats yes so will and i went to get cheesesteaks after seeing the john show and we went to the original pats is the original it's right across the street from gino's which their signage all just said the best oh so it seemed like there was a f- rivalry between the two of them they had similar signage they're like right across the street Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh but so we went to pat's largely because it was the first one we walked up to and i was starving
1: yeah someone some baby birdie was
0: hungry in the passenger seat i was really hungry so i have to say i was nonplussed by it man i didn't think it was very good i've been regretting my decision for two days really you've been feeling after effects
1: if that gives you any indication of my gastrointestinal distress of my life it's mostly just that I feel like there's a cannonball in my
0: stomach. Well, you did order the Cheese Whiz. First mistake. I think I just shouldn't have had a
1: whole sandwich.
0: I tried to sell you on getting three sandwiches <coughs> and having one whole one and one half one. Or and you that... could have let me have two and then had half of one. <sighs> I guess that would mean I would have had two and a half. I don't know. A strange thing happened to me where I ate the entire cheesesteak and I didn't feel satisfied. I I did
1: not feel satisfied in the moment and then as you know being in the car and like having cheesesteak hands on my hands just set in I was like I feel gross and I just continued to feel gross for like an entire 24-hour cycle yeah that makes sense I mean meanwhile there's like you know 60 year old family people just going to paths and just going like let me get like seven of them and we'll pound them as a family i'm like you're gonna die how are you doing
0: this?" yeah i mean this was a sunday late afternoon and it was pretty crowded at both places have to say and it did it did seem like all locals it's not like people are going to philadelphia specifically for this on their sunday no for us well if you go to reading terminal and nothing's open you have to find sustenance yeah yeah but anyway, yeah, I, you know, I don't think that cheesesteaks are that good of a food. I was kind of thinking about this later. I was like, you know, it's just meat and cheese. It's That's it. The bread is not particularly good. It seemed good. like subpar meat. It did. It I mean? was steakum quality. I think it might have it's just some, been It seems like someone extruded it from like a tube and thin sliced I it. I think we just went to Philadelphia Arby's is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, we did. But that's supposed to be sort of the joy of it. I'm not saying it has to be, like, high society food. It's supposed to be trash. Yeah, but <clears throat> usually. But it was, guess, like, like, less than, it was less than that.
1: Like, there was, you know how, like, normally, a, like, a, a steak sandwich should have a little bit of steak juice in, the br- in like, the bread? Yes, it did not have that. No, this was gray meat. This was gray meat product that had then onions thrown in for, for funsies. And based on the ability of I handed the man cash and a sandwich appeared immediately in front of me, it's not fresh. nothing about it is fresh.
0: Well, you can see them make it, but the problem is the meat is just on that griddle for as long as necessary until someone orders it and they scoop it in there and it, for some, it, it's not being cooked to order really
1: no, and it's not the level of like piping hot freshness of like a a halal cart no, you know. something was something was awry so i'm I'm gonna give it a thumbs down
0: oh we're doing a binary scale of or or down. do you want to do
1: one to four forks or is this doughboys now
0: yeah let's do one to four forks i would give it one and a half forks because the novelty was enough to make it worth it but i wouldn't go back i wouldn't go
1: for two i wouldn't go up to a i would maybe give it one fork
0: okay fair enough i think that you know i think one to two forks is a fair assessment yeah you know or maybe we just ordered wrong I don't know. Well, we ordered different things. I ordered the cheesesteak but with provolone and you ordered the cheesesteak with cheese whiz. We both got it wit, which means with onions. Yes. The onions were the best part. I was glad about that.
1: (sighs) I think that was the thing that made my tummy not happy.
0: But here's the thing there's no other
1: way to order. What are you supposed to do? I think you're supposed to get like mushrooms and like peppers on it. Like you you know, know, I put a
0: hot pepper on mine and you put hot sauce on yours. That hot sauce was insane it was incredibly spicy but it was an improvement yes it adds something to yeah. the depth of flavor that's just lacking you need something sharp to cut yeah. through the fat and yeah. that was the missing mm-hmm. portion but yeah i wouldn't recommend it in my memory my experience at reading terminal with the uh roast pork and peppers and onions was a far superior oh yeah something.
1: the thing with the broccoli rob i said "Ooh, ooh, baby ooh, baby how do i eat this all the time i would like to have this all the time this, I go, I never want to have this ever
0: again. You know, I was thinking later, actually, that I order chicken cheesesteaks from Crown Fried Chicken in New York, you know, more frequently than I would like to admit. And I have to say, I think the chicken cheesesteak is the superior move. If you're going to go with the basically the identical sandwich, I think the chicken is better and more flavorful than the beef. Uh... This is, we're... Good thing not that many people in Philadelphia listen to this because I think we're.
1: Oh, one of the listeners is going to have words for us. I'm sure. Yeah. What, yeah, one of them. You know.
0: I just have to say, I don't know your signature food. I don't know. Not so
1: good. If I mean, if that's the pinnacle and that's the oldest and the best, we gotta
0: we gotta reconsider some things. Should have just gone to the diner. I know, man. I really could have used a tuna milk. I mean, I was trying to convince you to go to the diner afterwards. I think part of my (laughs) hunger was not even that I was hungry, but that I was so uh, disappointed that I wanted to... Compound the shame? Yeah.
1: Mm, Yeah. No, there would have been no room at the inn. And then we would have gotten home at 11.30 p.m. That's true. Yeah. Traffic was really bad on the way back,
0: guys. Yes. But we did get a lot of NPR listening in.
1: Whew. Guys, NPR sucks.
0: Yes, it sucks really bad.
1: Like extra bad if i don't you're know just what joining
0: us this is green and lewis and we're tonight discussing philly cheesesteaks and traffic <laughs> back to you will well i'm just gonna throw it back to the studio here um, and i believe catching up we were talking about pats and Gino's and the ability to drive in traffic next to a diner i'm here with will laughlin and we're discussing pats and Gino's and what it's <laughs> like to maybe go to a diner or maybe not
1: so now jumping back into the conversation tell me about your trauma
0: well, you see, when I survived breast cancer... Okie okay. <laughs> <laughs> dokie, and that has been a bit.
1: Um, oh boy, that one, that one took a turn.
0: Uh, anyway, before we get into... Because I want to talk about Jasper Johns, obviously. Mm-hmm. We've been hyping it up for like... We talked about it last episode, we talked about it last after show. I think we probably talked about it the episode before that, so we'll get there. But... <sighs> In the preamble, should we talk about our other food experience, which was much better? Oh, Sugarfish? This was Saturday. You
1: want to rave about a chain restaurant from
0: L.A.? Hey, listen, I mean, you know, I think it's less well-known than you think it is. Because I was talking about it with people at work, and no one had ever heard of it. And I was surprised. I was like, you know, because I had heard about it through you, I think. They're
1: sneakily working their way up to the East Coast. See, I can't wait for the day when Din Tai Fung Finally makes it to the East
0: Coast, and then I get to be a fat ass forever. I mean, I've been there. That uh, that place is fine. I thought it was great. It's good. I've been there twice because I went there with you, and I also went there with Nick once. Oh, okay. Um, it's fine. It's good, but it's like P.F. Chang's. I mean, whatever. What? It's a chain restaurant in the mall. Sugarfish is slightly more elevated There are Sugarfishes in malls in L.A., but yeah, I, digress. I know. You know. Anyway. We went to Sugarfish. It was really good sushi. It was the first time in my life, I don't know about you, that I've ever had true omakasi where you order a tasting menu that you don't know what it is, the chef selects it for you. It comes out in courses. It's well curated. So I know it's a chain, but I it was really good. I mean, I was peeping the girls across the bar,
1: like their order and they got the like medium one, I think. And it was almost the same thing except for like the first like uh regular sushi course was like a little different well a lot different they didn't have any toro
0: yeah yeah uh it's a real assembly line operation or so i was told because i told our chef friend ben about the experience and you know he had recently gone too but he talks to people that work there and he said you know it's what you would expect they're well trained or whatever but you're really their menu is basically just pumping out variations on the same thing all night yeah so you can't really go i don't think you can really go wrong each tasting menu, because they have a light version, a middle version, and then a mystery version. Mm-hmm. We got the mystery version. That's the true experience. But all of them, I think, probably just have one different item. One or yeah. two. Yeah, f- I bet the first course and the last course are the only different thing. No, they had the same first course. They okay. have that little ponzu Anyway, Anyway, our, ours heavily featured toro, which is f- fat-bellied tuna. Not mad at it. Absolutely delicious. It included that as nigiri and as a hand roll. Which was oh amazing. was that in the first one? Yeah, the oh. first hand roll was Toro. The second hand roll was Lobster.
1: I didn't really um, taste the hand rolls because I just inhaled them as soon as I possibly could because I was told you eat these as fast as you possibly can before the seaweed gets loses the, its crispness. And I said okay,
0: yeah, which is what you're supposed to do. But you know, you take them in as best you can. It's three whole bites at least. For... Yeah, it's three. Yeah, three big bites
1: the lo- i mean the lobster thing was like a lobster roll but in in a in i a wrap. think that
0: was the secret feature of our menu was yeah. the pink lobster nigiri and then the lobster roll hand roll yeah
1: i think that was the the upcharge that we
0: well got. i uh, well why i'm saying it's secret is i think the upcharge was for the toro and the eel
1: wow oh.
0: but that the lobster was a highlight for me oh yeah that was great it was also one of the more unusual things i've never had lobster sushi before i think it was cooked lightly um maybe maybe like a little blowtorch
1: action or something like that just to because it wasn't cold no
0: well that's that's a note i have on the experience in general if you've never had like real sushi that's not just takeout sushi it shouldn't be cold yeah the rice is actually a little bit warm and the fish is room temperature it's not cold and it does really bring out the flavor in a completely different way it t- everything was like buttery. Like the yeah, everything's buttery. And the toro we had was very uh, salty in an ocean way. Yeah, delicious. Um, the lobster was kind of sweet and buttery like sugar, in a way. Yeah, yeah. that
1: was yeah.
0: Um, and the grilled eel at the end, of course, the finishing course was that was amazing. yummy. I've never had eel that I liked before, and that made me realize like, oh, I actually do like eel. It just has to be prepared well, prepared correctly. Well. Yeah.
1: I think that's I think that's probably the thing of it was in a s like with a sauce on it. It wasn't just, you know.
0: Well, and it was barbecued. Oh it was actually cooked. Occasionally it was warm. That wasn't raw. Hmm. I mm-hmm. I know that for sure. Um The other thing that both you and I really appreciated is the price point, first of all, is incredibly reasonable. It was insane. It's seventy dollars a person, more or less. Why not? Yeah. Which is any dinner anywhere in New York City is basically going to cost you that much. The
1: amount of times I've spent more for a terrible experience and much worse food at Shea Oscar is double. Oh, yeah. One to two, you know, like, oh boy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had countless meals in New York between 50 and and $100 that were so so, that were so subpar
1: that you're like, I you don't even I remember me.
0: them, you know? <sighs> uh, yeah, and the other those, the yeah. other thing that also adds to the price point feature is that there's no tipping allowed at all. Yeah. So they include an automatic surcharge, and still the secret treat menu is sixty five bucks. So yeah, it's not bad. I highly recommend it.
1: We I were it in great. and out in what half hour, forty five.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing about omakase style sushi bar is you eat it quickly. You're supposed to eat it right when you're given it. So.
1: Oh yeah, again, not mad at it. oh we it'll be a half hour for your table. Okay. I have a place to go. Let's go do that. Oh, please come back for your table. Hi. Okay. Sit at the bar, sit at a table. Eh, just put me at the bar. I don't even give a fuck. Like also that seemed faster for them.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think they care if you walk away. I mean, whatever. This is pretty standard for restaurants you do realize. What? you know putting you on a list and then no no, you no. Good, what are you talking about
1: no because they asked like oh sitting at the at a table or a bar oh i'm like, sorry yeah you know like oh just from the window right there and you're like okay great faster the, the faster it gets to my face the happier i will be especially after only eating a giant bagel all day i was so very hungry baby birdie needed so much food anyway
0: <laughs> I was whiny and complainy by the end. I need the CBD. You can calm down. A- at this point, I'm going to insist on it. I think you. Need I'm. To... B- you're boring me to tears talking about bagels now.
1: Well, that's why we're going to change the subject. So why don't you call <laughs> this passenger energy again? Jesus Christ! Too much. Um, anywho, where do we want to start? Do we want. We were talking about Philly. Do we want to start in Philly first, or start in? In the Whitney.
0: I think we should start in the order that we saw the shows. Okay. Uh, Which was Whitney first, Uh Philly second, which I think is for the vast majority of people is going to be the order they see them if they ever see them both. True. Uh, And I think it it kind of works because the show reveals itself over the course of the two locations in an interesting way. Not that it would matter too much which one you saw first. But uh, since we saw Whitney, let's go with Whitney.
1: Okay. I do think if you don't see both, you are
0: really getting half of a show. You absolutely are getting half of a show. Like, that's an important It's,
1: it's a very strange thing to see a museum show where you're just like, uh, normally it's like, oh, we have like, um, there was a show at LACMA like many, many moons ago where it was like, part of the show is in the little satellite thing down the street. And you're like, the fuck? I got to go where?
0: I got to walk somewhere else? No. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen double presentations before. And I feel like I must have, but nothing comes readily to mind.
1: Or it was at Philly and there was a two-parter somewhere. I don't remember. I, I know I've walked two places for one museum. Right. And been like, um, I Where was I going with this? I might have lost it. Anywho. You gotta...
2: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you,
1: you, I I think, like... You, you, you were be,
0: you were saying that you must see both parts of the show, yes, essentially, which I think is very true. Because it, you you get
1: the feeling that you're missing something with just seeing the Whitney, because there's some gaps in 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 the in the you know the catalog that
0: there's are not. There's hit. gaps in both, but I would definitely say that if you don't know Jasper Johns's work well, the Whitney show would read as cohesive enough.
1: It reads as its as its own thing, but I don't think you know. most
0: lay people that will only see the whitney show you know 95 probably higher 98 percent of people that see this at all will see the whitney presentation and only that and they will not know they will not know any better and i think the whitney show was designed that way the philly show to just touch on it real quick seemed more compartmentalized to me i mean they're both organized very uh conventionally in terms of their chronology and then kind of giving themes to sets of rooms. Yeah. Right. The, in the Philly show, there's bigger gaps. Oh yeah. But yeah. it maybe has the better work.
1: It, there's lots of skips in the timeline.
0: Yeah. I want to get, I want it. That's why I want to do Philly second. I want to get there. Cause that <laughs> was a rewarding experience in that sense, in yeah. my opinion. But at the Whitney show, it's the retrospective and you won't feel like you're missing much. Like I read in one of the reviews, I think it was Holland Cotter's, Holland t- Tunnels. Holland Tunnels in the Times. Uh, Mr. Tunnels pointed out that the 1996 retrospective at MoMA had 230 something works. And between the two shows now, mind mirror, it's, like 500, mere, it's like 500. Yeah. So you, you are seeing twice as many. And that kind of surprised me because both you and I commented, I think, leaving the Whitney that like it felt a little light. It's only a one floor show. Yeah. Granted, you know, there's 250 works in it. There's a lot of stuff, but somehow it felt like there could have been more or Well, cuz
1: you know, the big the wasted space of a big room for the the bronze numbers that were just in a show at Matthew Marks less than 10 years ago, which I don't need to see again quite frankly, you know. I I just think that the 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 like Vista room at the Whitney is a terrible place to see arts.
0: Uh, yes. Actually, in Rachel Harrison's show, they blocked the windows out and just made it another room at her request. And I think that I think is that's good the move. move. More people should do that. Although yeah. I think the Whitney is probably very hesitant to do that for obvious reasons. We mentioned on the last episode uh, that, that, that the ride. this building yeah. is essentially a ride for people. It's yeah. an Instagram background. And the number of people I'm sure you noticed. Granted, the posing, like, ugh, the posing in front of the maps was heavy. Not only the posing, it's just I notice every time I'm at the Whitney and I'm in that room with the big windows, more people are looking out the window than are looking at the art, no matter what it is. Uh-huh. It's the old Stanley Whitney quote that Alan always says, which is in crits in school. He would always say, like, you know, your paintings have to compete with me looking out the window. Usually that's much more interesting.
1: Granted, the view out the Whitney, the window of the Whitney is now just a construction site on the river.
0: And, like, a W Hotel in Jersey City or something the like The only
1: that. visible landmark in Jersey City, yes.
0: You know, but still, it's a city view. People like that shit. I get it. Um, it should have just been, like, a,
1: they should have built a wall up to it, like a hallway, and then ran some prints down
0: it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's there's a lot they could or couldn't have done regarding the architecture. I didn't think it was the worst choice because it's that work is not the best work. We're talking about... Recent casts of numbers as sculptures and one large number sort of painting, but it's like cast bronze, I think. I don't know. Um, That works not that compelling anyway. It's nicely organized for that space. It looks fine in there. You're not missing much by not looking at it. It looks handsome. It was a fine choice in my opinion. I don't know. It's the kind of thing that like if the artist isn't going to give a lot of input on the installation, which it sounds like Jasper Johns gave none. You know, they did a okay job with it. You put something less distracting in there. So. Yeah. Um, so it was fine. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to get bogged. Y- you love talking about what you hate and love about the building. And I don't want to talk about it Because it's building.
1: an experience. Here's the thing. Because, like, when you walk in, you walk up to the fifth floor. Because you got to, you know, unless you're, you know, physically handicapped, you got to take those stairs. And, ooh, boy, if you're out of shape, what a bitch. You're climbing up, noticing all the out light bulbs in the Felix, and you're like, oh, can we get a handler? And then you walk up into, you know, the fifth floor, and then you just see this weird, stupid curved wall of prints that you're like, we will get to you later. This seems unimportant right now. Yeah. Like, that's th- this is why, like, the experience becomes a thing of, like, how do we navigate the space? Especially when you're setting the tone of, we're navigating someone's entire oeuvre.
0: Okay, you know? I I will I will go along with this for a second because it is true that in the Whitney's exhibition design they often open the show with a big stupid wall with a lot of things on it. This is We got to calm
1: the fuck down with that. This like, is not
0: the first time that I've seen that, but why I'm entertaining your you know, architectural fascination for a second is it's inherent to the design of the building that no matter how you enter the upstairs galleries, whether it's by stairs or by elevator or by the other stairs, or from outside in some cases, mm-hmm. you're always in a weird position. You mm-hmm. are parallel to the longest walls in the space, which is odd as a way to open a show. Like, when you see shows in smaller galleries... Because like, the painting that's also at
1: the end of that sight line, not that good as, as a starting Well, one. let's
0: get there. But usually what is attractive in smaller exhibition spaces, like something at the Met or... Um, even MoMA does this in their smaller rooms is you usually open on, on a single work on a single wall or the text sort of splash page. And then you turn a corner and see something.
1: You know, like the stupid third floor gallery that's to the left. How there's like the artist program in in MoMA. Yes. And then you, there's always where the calder is now. Yeah. You turn and that turn is always either, <gasps> ooh, or it's, oh, fuck this.
0: You know. Well, it's the striking quality of a single work and the element of surprise that draws you into a show. I feel like that's just fundamental. It's or, almost Or the collection itself presents itself, and then you have to go,
1: ooh, nice.
0: Right, but if you're going to direct the experience, let's direct it. Like a shotgun blast of a bunch of work it isn't a good way to start. Um, in the case of the John show... It is nice to look at that wall last, actually, because it's a chronological wall of prints, like salon style all over the place. And after you see the whole show, revisiting the and motifs you go backwards in, time. in a yeah. new form is kind of nice. It did seem pretty deliberate that they did it that way. Um, and it works. But so anyway, when you enter the show, did you go through it in the right direction or did you go through it backwards? Because sometimes you like to just avoid the crowd and start at the end and...
1: No, no, no. The The crowd, the, the, uh, geriatrics were looking at the print wall and I said, oh no, not this. Immediately booked it left. Cause usually, you know, design flow, you would go to the right to start a show typically. But at the Whitney, everything's backwards.
0: Always. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, they the, always make you start left. It's the,
1: true. The body, you always, most people are right handed. They're going to bear right when they enter a room. So to go left, you're like, huh? Fuck. But. So I just barreled through it and then just went into, like, what looks earliest and then just followed my nose. Right.
0: Yeah. And so the Whitney show opens on a weird choice of a painting because I feel like we're not going to be able to. That's not the one. Yeah. We're not going to be able to avoid the Philly show entirely, you know, or, or treat it as a separate thing because the Whitney show opens on a really lesser known Johns painting of a secondary target and a white target on a gray background. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this painting. I don't know about you. It doesn't even really show up in books. And his early work Something is great. so well documented that it's kind of sh- surprising to see it, which I think is why they picked it. Mm. And for a John's aficionado, it's sort of like, oh, okay. That's a weird note to start on. You'd think you'd start on target, target. The primary colored one, or the one with the plaster cast, or the one with the faces—something people recognize. But they started it with or a no- green
1: target from MoMA, and just be
0: like Boop. whatever. They started it with something obscure, and I appreciated that. But contrast that with the Philly show that starts with like, his Fuck first you a flag. flag painting from '55, and you're like, okay, like we're here, we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But so when you go through the Whitney show, like you obviously they did it in chronological order, so you enter the early work first. Was there anything from that? Should we room? pause? What is that?
1: The revving of a fucking engine. That's one hundred percent getting picked up right now.
0: That's fine. Let's just go with it. I don't really care. We have the air conditioner on. That gets.
1: uh, It's louder than the air conditioner.
0: Whatever. Nobody cares. Okie dokie. Um. No, it's going to be too hard to. To, You're not letting me have CBD, so it's going to be too hard to stay on track. If we. Where's your Ritalin? Uh, you know, I don't need that. (laughs) Um. So I wanted to ask you when you saw the early work at the Whitney. Mm -hmm. anything stand out to you? What were your thoughts on that?
1: That's, that was my least revisited room.
0: Same. Yeah. Because
1: the, the, again, the olds and the way that the flow of like time tickets, people get, just get dumped into that room every hour as like hordes of them. And I was like, okay, I mean, most of this stuff is in museums around the city. I don't really need to spend time here. I'll, I'll, I'll say hello to these later, you know? Yeah. Um, but there was one, uh, in the, the little left room, like the breakup paintings that I was like, Oh, I haven't seen these. These are weird except for the painting bitten by a man that that one's fucking everywhere
0: all the time. Yeah. Oddly enough, that's in Jasper Johns's collection, I think. And, um, and yet it shows up alone shows constantly.
1: I think it just gets loaned around, but Yeah, he doesn't give it to anyone. Um, but that little comic strip orange painting. Yeah. I was like, the fuck is this? I've only what seen, seen that in doing? books
0: before. We should, we should slow down because, try to be generous in the well, way the, you describe the, the things. The big, not everybody knows his the work. The big like
1: wall we do. with the greatest hits.
0: Not like... everybody's even going to see the show. What I mean is try and describe what period of time you're talking about. Oh, what I have no idea of work this is from, etc. Couldn't tell you. Cuz will just a minute ago said the breakup paintings. Other people are not going to know what that means. Oh. Him and Bobby? So, yeah, when you're when you're walking through the John show, you obviously see flags and targets, things like that, that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And then there was a period of time in the late 50s, early 60s when he was with Rauschenberg and then when he was not with Robert Rauschenberg. A lot of gray.
1: This is where all the gray starts kicking in. This is in. where
0: gray as a theme for John's really starts and where it gets kind of angsty. There's, you know, overt displays of emotion in text and imagery.
1: And they get very, like, they're truly like the first, not the first maybe, but like they're emo paintings. Like the liar painting. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, can, okay, wow, that's a little heavy-handed, my dude.
0: Well, I think that, you know, that's the way they're kind of understood. But I think if they weren't constantly contextualized in terms of him and Rauschenberg and that breakup, I, they would still have a certain amount of drama to them. Because they, they're also
1: small, too. They're not the bigness of works from even like two years before that.
0: Well, they are essentially just run-of-the-mill like John's puzzles at the end of the day like when you see a painting titled liar you're also just looking at a gray field with like a picture of a fork on it or whatever I forget what's in that particular painting. there's a
1: sculpt metal no there is liar in the wax or in sculpt metal on it
0: no I understand
1: yes you said fork I said no okay I'm listening
0: yes the text of the word liar is on the painting but my point was that the image with the painting doesn't doesn't lead you down that road it's only the word that presents any emotion there's maybe one with like a skull imprint on it um other than the coloration and the text itself there's very little that would lead you to believe this is something dramatic you're still looking at pretty quotidian images and objects and fields for the most part
1: yeah and this like i said like the the gray thing like I, i i also this was not the point where i started taking pictures yet so like i didn't pause very often in those things again running away from the crowds um but when you just see that that sweet and like you start to see like a little bit of mystery get built in this is like that little corner is where we start building the like persona a little bit and then we kind of stop thinking about that to go into map map land
0: yeah that's right that's right That was one of my favorite rooms in the Whitney show. The map room was great. They gave a lot of space to it. Um, They showed a lot of those works. Again, to contrast it with the Philly show, Philly got numbers as opposed to maps. Oh, yeah. As they're, we have it in every color, shape, and size. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Which on... One level is a lot less interesting to me. I appreciate the map paintings over the number paintings in general. They're more luscious. There's just a lot more to look at. They're larger in They're general. They're
1: bigger, yeah. I mean, I think like the thing is like everybody gets a little semiotics room, you know. Each one gets yeah, a semiotics room and then Philly got numbers. And they they get the one that is maybe more formally interesting or generative. Yeah, potentially sometimes. I think like when you start seeing all the tangled uh number glyphs
0: those Just, are my favorite of those.
1: Papers. I think when you think about those and you think about later cobblestone and some of those um pattern with the battle axe in it, you can kind of see where that starts to expand and breathe a little bit where it's like, Oh, this is a reference
0: yeah well it, there's a formal there's a formal aspect of it, which is the breaking up of an image into something nearly incoherent. But the interesting thing about the numbers overlapped on top of each other is that if you just shift your perception against them, you can see one number at a time. Or sometimes you can see two or three at a time. Mm -hmm. You try to see all nine, but you can't. It just becomes an abstraction. This is sort of echoed in the map room at the Whitney because there is a flag painting in there. Mm -hmm. It's the secondary flag with a dot in the middle and a gray flag below it with another dot in the middle. And if you focus on the dot of the secondary the flag magic on eye. top, you get a magic eye of the normally colored uh, red, white, and blue flag below. So he's in both of those series at the same per- period in time trying to play with how to shift your attention mm-hmm. to shift your perception.
1: Well, and it's like, oh, he, well, which is weird. Uh, and that's why like the, n- is that the room afterward where it's like the red, blue, or is that? I'm getting them jumbled in my brain.
0: The red, blue, what?
1: Like when it says red or the blue that's folded, like folded in ink, the trio paintings where it's red, yellow, blue, but sometimes the colors don't match and all that kind of.
0: Uh Yes. Uh Well, there's that motif appears a lot of yeah. him using the text and changing the color and changing the size and the orientation of it and things yeah. like this. So the, Two man, I'm getting it mixed up in my head too. Which is this is an interesting phenomenon of the show is that there's so much repetition in John's yeah. work that seeing it between the two cities, it, it makes it confusing. It's a to little
1: because I think like because the Costelli show in Philly has one of those red yellow or it's some three of them three red yellow blue gray ones.
0: Well, yeah. What what I was gonna say was at the same period in time that he was using that motif, you're right that the Costelli show that they showed at the Philadelphia Museum for the listener they replicated one show from Leo Costelli in Philly and a later show at Leo Costelli at the Whitney so you get a little taste of what actual John's exhibitions would have felt like at the time that they were made but yeah the Costelli show at, in Philly uh, had false start is the iconic painting the black and white version of it is called jubilee fall starts notorious because it was the most expensive painting ever sold at auction oh, right, for right, a right, really right, long right, time right, right. Yeah. um and that's one that's just a field of brush strokes that are labeled with their color but the color that the word is painted in is, is incongruous yeah. from i get the brush i get
1: that and the map things all i don't get it i i just get confused by this these kind of overlaps because the handling is very much the same right so like as a viewer as a viewer with you know just a little bit of art historical knowledge at all you know you know i'm not as deep into it as as you you know my thing is like i know some i don't don't know um so just gets kind of hard when you're dealing this is the challenge of of i think also a retrospective is like when there's these subtle shifts in the work i think what the whitney did was Pace out breaks in between things that were too similar in a way that maybe Philly didn't, but that's a compare
0: contrast. does that make sense um yeah up up until up until a point mm. because again, like both shows were organized as more or less mirrors of each other, yeah, H- hence the title like you basically have an early workroom in both shows, you have a I would call it like late, early, but organized by theme. So numbers versus maps. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of go into a solo room where one painting and all the preparatory work for it is featured mm-hmm. from a slightly later period. Yeah. And then you get a room organized basically by location. I think the one was Japan. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Philly. And I forget what the Whitney one was. <sighs> or they might the have The North just...
1: Carolina room.
0: Yeah, that's South Carolina. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Uh, same thing.
0: Um, and then you get a room called Dreams at the Whitney and a room called Nightmares in Philly. And then you get late work rooms that are just a s- smattering stuff, of yeah. all of that because it's a little harder, le- uh, less easy to organize. Yeah. But so what What you're saying about you think that the Whitney did a better job of spacing out the transitions? Against,
1: of things that are a little too, you know, similar looking, if you're not paying attention.
0: Yeah. Like, they throw the... This is particularly difficult in the 60s period stuff, because it looks really similar from, like, 1960 until the crosshatch paintings in the 70s. Yes. You don't get a real break in style for a long time. And
1: this is where you get that, like, so, you know, back in the day, it would be, like, my favorite review of of a John show is Donald Judd's uh, one-liner thermometer. It has one. That's the whole review. Great. And and then seeing two versions of, like, a thermometer painting, I'm like, huh, it does have one. And I have nothing else to say about this, because this is kind of bad. Like, you get to see the, like, B-sides that are maybe like, "Mm, maybe these are not that good. You know. I think that's kind of the joy of a retrospective, where you kind of, you simultaneously let the air out of the you know, hagiography, but then you also gas up a different side of the balloon. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, so like you see some clunkers. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't, I don't know. In,
1: In that much repetition, there's a couple clunkers. There necessarily has to be.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I have such a bias. I just view John's work with so much reverence that I, I almost can't, I almost can't see clunkers in it. I see oddity. I see novelty. Um, I see experimentation, but I rarely Mm. ever see something that's so off that I would say it was a clunker or that it was bad. Like, I don't think that's how his work functions. I think the the repetition of it makes the entire practice feel like one thing. And because everything is just a component of this larger project, it's hard to say like, well, that one's bad
1: well let's let's just use the word inconsistent or incongruous maybe is that maybe more fair M-
0: maybe I mean you're entitled to your opinion i don't i don't I don't care if you think there are clunkers or that there's ones that are incongruous. I just think that the the work is constantly f- folding in on itself against itself like every especially when you see a collection of Johns's work, you're comparing elements of paintings to other elements of paintings necessarily because they all share something in common. So it's hard yeah. to say something is an outlier. There, like, almost isn't any such thing. Well, because mm. you'll find something thematic about it, whether it's uh, formal or whether it's text based or whether it's uh, thematic that has a relationship with something nearby.
1: Yeah, or or way later. Yeah, you get a you get or a little treat surprise later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is yeah, okay, all right. I mean, I still see, I don't know. So, and to I go. Th-
0: Sorry, well, just real quick on, like, the thermometer thing. Like, that, for example, as a clunker, it's like, okay, like, certain paintings are, like, less visually interesting than other ones, maybe. Um, But it's the first time that you... Maybe not the first time, but it's an early example of a type of painting that deals with something in the real world. So you have something that changes depending on what the way... Sorry, depending on what gallery it's installed in, because the temperature is going to be different. So the painting literally looks different every time. You have the same theme echoed in canternary where like the string that forms the bridges will move around or um, droop differently or whatever. So, you know, yeah, sure. Like maybe that painting in particular is, I'm not going to stand there and look at it for 25 minutes, um, but it's the beginning of something.
1: All right. I mean, I, I accept all of this, Um, but I'm not trying to be contrarian. I'm just trying to like you know i it becomes uh part of what seeing that much work by one person, you know back to back to back, and then you know it it becomes this kind of very you have to tie together lots of little things and have a really good memory um but in terms of viewing, which I think like that's what John's always rewards right because like even like in the Whitney show if you're too distracted by getting your photo taken with a if you're riding the ride you're not going to get any of that show right yeah and I think like I don't know maybe is it a mistake to see it all at once I don't know I think the mistake would be assuming that we saw the show you know what I mean like and like you know got all the threads Is that bad to say
0: I don't know if I follow you. Can you like restate that? Yeah, like I...
1: Because like, I am like doubting my own recollection, even just like 48 hour, you know, four days later of like how things, how things go, right?
0: Yeah, I think we made a mistake not recording this immediately after seeing it.
1: Well, I, you know, I could have opened the catalog and like looked at it, but I was like, that's, we'll save that as a treat kind of situation. Um but it it just becomes because so much of it is about finding these like loose threads it it get does get difficult to kind of talk about because you're like well was that here was this this here well like where does it place in even in the timeline of his own work because you're like things get called back so frequently um and this is why like a room like um according the according to what room and the what was the other one? The one in Philly yeah. that had
0: its own room was just an untitled painting. Okay.
1: So those where it actually breaks out all of the work around the one object, it kind of crystallizes a little bit more all of the intricacies because all the parts of the puzzle start coming coming closer to being something uh, that you can unravel. But uh, that you know the Johnsian thing is that you never are going to get to the core of it or his core of it rather.
0: Well, you know, I don't know if that's true. Like, uh, by the same token, I'm not trying to be contrarian, but we talked about on the last episode, like, John Yao's book about Jasper Johns. And his central thesis is basically that the subject of Johns' work is being a body in time. And sort of witnessing, self-witnessing that form of being and its decay. Like, you could sum it up more simply by saying it's about aging. Which I think is true. Yeah. So I reject the idea that, like, the Johnsian premise is that it's somehow mysterious or impenetrable. It's not. I feel like it's right there. So, for example, we, you and I talked about, um, there was a crosshatch painting called Dancers on a Plane that was in the Whitney show. And it was in a white frame with forks, knives, and spoons softly embedded in it, Mm -hmm. such that they are not all the way embedded into the frame but they're sort of in relief yeah and you can see this in a more obvious sense with like everything in caustic where it's this you know half an inch of surface it's something embedded in something else yeah but never quite illusionistic never quite sculptural yeah it's it, you know and it, is that not the body in space
1: well yeah it's occupying that that the almost tangibility you know, like the, the, like, you know, when, like, what is it? Is, is this a phrase where time is slipping through your time? Well, it's Led Zeppelin. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Yeah. I don't um, think
0: that's Led Zeppelin. Who is it? I don't know.
1: <laughs> what? It's not? I don't know. Anywho, <laughs> moving on. Whatever the fuck that song, you know, it's like hippie shit. Um, You know, like you do get this kind of like, like you can almost grasp. It, and like it is like you get the chase. The chase becomes more apparent.
0: Sure. Damn it. Should I pause? Why? I spilled.
1: You spilled a drop.
0: Just take a little. Anyway, speaking of losing the thread.
1: <laughs> I well, it's also like I I I'm realizing my own like um my own slippery slippery memory where I'm like if I'm not looking at it I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about like I have general I have general impressions of the layout this is why I fixate on the layout because if I don't have the layout pictured in my brain I don't know what's on the walls like I'm the rain man for the layout so I can walk myself through it again in my memory so like you know I, I skip around because of the if I start to lose my place in where the works are i'm like i don't know what i'm looking at anymore um which is why like the whitney in it's like blank hypermodern space everything becomes a little bit harder to see and especially like in that you know so there's a room uh the mirror room we'll just call it the mirror room right
0: yeah and i believe that was the theme of the room anyway was mirroring
1: well yeah because they if, if if you didn't get it either they cut out parts of a Floating walls and slaps and mirrors on them. So you end up, you're like, whoa, what's going on? This is trippy. You have a little trippy experience.
0: Yeah, they put mirrors on the edge of of two adjoining walls, right? Where they cross, where they're perpendicular. So you have the sensation that you're looking into a corner made of mirrors when it's actually an opening.
1: It's it's a little trippy. Yeah. Um, Especially after you come out of a room that's devoted to... A work and all of its exegesis around that one thing um then you get into like the you know the the kind of the thesis of the show right of both shows is here we go there's it's all about double the double and the double and the double um that one thing is never without you know another in terms of versions of things and rememberings of things, so like you'll have a work like. So there's two seasons in each show, right? So there's a suite of paintings called called the seasons. There's four of them. There are four seasons. Figure it out. Um, and the Whitney has fall, summer fall.
0: No, the Whitney has spring fall. I noticed that they did that. They took and then Philly has summer winter. The better of the two. They took the transitional seasons and put them in one place and then the definitive seasons and put them in another place. Uh-huh. Yeah. In I, I know you're probably going somewhere else and maybe we can circle back to it. But to me, that was the only misstep in or one of the major missteps in the whole show was splitting up that series. Yeah. I felt like that was a bad choice and that it was clearly just a compromise between the two curators that couldn't make up their mind.
1: Oh, yeah. The feud. Yeah.
0: And as much as I appreciated the premise and the effort put into the exhibition design of like mirroring two shows against each other, which for the most part was successful, I felt like that series really benefits from seeing it as a cycle in the way that it was designed. There's even prints of it that appear in both shows where you see all four at once. And you're like, like, ooh. That's how it was made. That's what it's supposed to be. And
1: you want to be able to do the compare and contrast. So you get that, you know, going back to the aging thing. You want to be able to do that,
0: like, all at once. It's a really seminal work for Johns because it's the first time that that's made really explicit. Like, yeah. it's very literal what the, that work is about. It's a cliche in a sense. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a classic, like, archetype also of doing a seasons cycle. But it's the first time he's, like feeling his age and so the that that narrative that is implied in a lot of the rest of the work is just on full display
1: yeah and it it loses it loses the heft of that it loses the weight of definitely that. Yeah. and especially if you have this four wall structure that you have to walk in and around why not have all the seasons there and then you get to walk around them like a, a what those doors with the spins
0: right one of the doors with the, spins? the doors with the spins a rotating door revolving door. revolving door yeah you
1: know, right that would make sense yeah yeah i you know and we instead we got mea culpa's mea culpa's situation um but you know it, yeah you get to you start to see some of that kick in um
0: Well, I think the disadvantage of a broad retrospective for a broad audience is that they don't make an effort to make a thesis about Johns' work. It's more just a chronological presentation of, like, everything this guy has ever made, which is fine. That's the premise of a retrospective. That's more or less what you should do. But they never take a stand on what the subject of this work is. They don't make any effort at doing that.
1: Well, they're just like, this was a time period
0: where this showed up. And you're like, cool. Cool. And right this is symptomatic of the treatment of John's historically in general is yeah. that I think his work is hard to look at and deal with um, it's hard to remember what you're looking at because there's so much repetition but that's also part of the point like that is how the mind works like that's how you learn things is through mimesis through repeating things and trying things again and trying trying them another time yeah like you know and experiences of deja vu are kind of a constant thread in his work like i pointed out to you at one point that in, in philly there was a double white map painting and there's also one at the whitney and when you see them and you're aware you're in a separate physical location separated by 100 miles or whatever you go fuck how do i know this isn't the same painting from the last place and you don't
1: Isn't one a little bigger Are they the same size?
0: No, they're the same size. I ended up, I took pictures of both of them and I ended up like looking at them later. And there are obvious like complete differences. They're very brushy paintings. It's a fact of one, fact of two situation where there's only a matter of degrees, but it is very distinct when they're side by side. But it's a nice phenomenon to have them not side by side, but see them in a short period of time.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the, that, that kind of, that's a clear description of like the, the trouble of talking about it is that, again, being unable to place where in time, in time or place you are, is a very strange thing. Especially when, like, you know, a retrospective is supposed to be definitive. And then you're, you're inserting the idea of doubt into the definition of what the work means. Which magical and maybe that might have been the only johnson thing of like well you can do it two places you could fuck off both of you can stop bothering me and figure this out your own goddamn way right uh, truly like that might be you know his hint of like no, no, no a i can't be bothered and b that'd be funny to have people have this well not funny but like mm-hmm, uh have this feeling of slipping out of space and time
0: Yeah. Well, what it what it does that's interesting, like to go back to the example of the white map paintings, just because that stuck out to me as two identical things. Although there's a lot of that. There's multiple targets. There's There's so many. many You could have that any number of ways is it brings you to an awareness that you're in a separate place in time, but it also grounds you exactly where you are by making you look really hard at one thing and examine it carefully
1: and you can't rely on most paintings
0: especially contemporary art are rootless and cosmopolitan just like the people that make them
1: and also so related so relegated to the context that they're in you know like you go to a show at Sperner, it's a certain thing you go to a show at bodega it's a certain kind of. you know like the ethos is on display along with whoever's making the.
0: sort of sort of but what i was what i'm trying to say is that i disagree with that a little bit i don't think Think about it. Mega galleries have multiple locations all around the world. If you're standing in a gallery in Paris and a gallery in New York and a gallery in L.A., you don't know the difference between those places. They have exactly the same anonymous traits. Box, yeah. White box. Um, The cool thing about the Philly and Whitney presentation is you get the more or less contemporary white box at the Whitney, and you get a very old school feeling at the Philly Museum. It's wood floors. The ceilings are high. Uh, the lights are the different. The lights are so
1: yellow, yellow and warm. yeah. But, like, the floors creak. Yeah. You know what a treat... Like, th- there is a little treat in that of, like, this seems somehow more historical to be in Creaky Museum.
0: Well, well absolutely. And it steps away from the Duchamp collection, from his friend Twombly. Like, yeah. you are more rooted in the Philly Museum in a particular place. At the Whitney, you could be anywhere.
1: Yeah, And that, that, that becomes the disservice that kind of is a disservice to the idea of that, like that slippage and that humanness of, you know, moving through time. Right.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a disservice. I think it's a credit to Johns's work that if you're paying close attention to it while you're looking at it, the paintings have enough gravitas that their location is only incidental. Hmm. They're about the experience of looking at them. Yeah. Like a lot of paintings point you in another direction. Like an illusionistic painting tries to draw you into the space of its world. Yeah. And a monochrome abstraction tries to throw you back into the place that you're in. But much like the forks, like slightly embedded into a frame, John's paintings are always trying to get you to be doing what you're doing, which is looking at a painting. Yeah, And the, I feel very inarticulate saying that, but there's like, there's no better way to say it. There's a lot of situations in which your attention is drawn to looking at a painting, but with his work, it's very particular.
1: Well, because the surface is always, you know, this is why the the encaustic choice is always the kind of interesting thing. Because it's like, it's never a matter of like, oh, I'm going to hide the brushstrokes. This, is, this isn't a painting, it's an image. He's like, no, no. This is a thing on another thing we've we've stuck two things together uh, with with heat and it's it's frozen in its instance. Yes. Which is what painting is or can be or what it is in its purest form. You're you're crystallizing something unspeakable right. instantly. Right. And his thing was like no that's not fast enough oil paint can't dry fast enough. I don't have time for this.
0: Well, that's the excuse he's always given, but in that, same, in that same sense, he is quoted as saying, it doesn't have to dry, it has to cool. I think the choice is more deliberate than speed. It's about the sort of alchemy that it's performing at the same time. It has, it has, has transition to transition from
1: it, one state of matter One to the state
0: other. to another state. Yeah. Um, yeah, painting merely dries. It doesn't cool one could quibble but you know but in the same sense that you have to deal with or well in the same sense that he deals with gravity and real light in the form of neon or a flashlight uh dealing with heat as a component of painting whether it's an allusion to body heat or the literal heat of encaustic is not something most painters ever really have to worry
1: about. no which in the whitney there is a weird freaky neon painting that will make you go huh Um and it's real it's it's real good, but it is also a ride. It's its own ride in the John's catalog. No? Well what do you mean? Like it stands out, but it also stands out because they're like, huh, neon, huh? Wow. That seems that's a choice. That's a very weird, very specific choice that makes kind of no sense. Even though it's the R to a red and it's red neon, and you can flick it on and off. Which I just I wanted to reach out and flick the button, but you're not supposed to. Would it break it?
0: Um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it would break it, but it's not advisable to fuck with like old electronics. True. Except if you need to, you know, but I'm sure they turn it off at the end of the night. So they might just cut the breaker. Yeah. They might do that also. Yeah. That's more likely actually they do that.
1: Yeah. Collector private collector doesn't want anything touched.
0: Um, You know, but I don't think it's that weird to include, like, a neon in a John's painting. Again, like, there's a painting in Philly called Souvenir that has a flashlight on it that is not on, Mm -hmm. um, but it's pointed in the direction of a mirror also affixed to the painting, and if you follow the path from the flashlight to the mirror, that would bounce the light down to his portrait. I mean, he's always playing with, like, uh, allusions to light. You could even think more simply about the flashlight sculptures, like how interesting is it to have something completely opaque that's supposed to represent illumination yeah so to finally include something that's actually illuminating
1: maybe doesn't that's...
0: seem that far off
1: yeah know? but it it's again a little strange because it's like is this the only one this is probably the only one maybe it was a little too on the nose like you know it's related to thermometer and that eh, it's too
0: too close to the, the well and sand. there might be a reason he doesn't really deal with it anymore. yeah you know
1: yeah and that that's made very clear very quickly it's just like here's the one. This is what I mean, like some something incongruous. You're just like here's the one. It's two on the nose. Moving on, like like because that seems like it should have been a part of, according to what, like what that room sets up with having that neon thing is that this could have been an aspect of this this painting. Disregarded for reasons unknown, right? You know, and again, I think the on on the nose this is. Always the the Johnsian way. Two on the nose. Let's or two on the nose in the wrong way.
0: Yeah, I think that's more accurate because you know, we were talking the other night about um his use of generic things versus specific things and how there's not really a lot of middle ground in Jasper Johns' work. You're either dealing with something that the mind already knows, as he said, targets, flags, etc or you're dealing with something ridiculously obscure or something that he has obscured Yeah. in the examples of all the like art historical painting details that he uses. And then Mm -hmm. people figure out what they are later. Um, Or, you know, a map of his childhood home drawn from memory, something sort of that's right on the edge of recognizability, but you'll never put, never quite put your finger on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Something like the neon light or the things that he ends up rejecting Maybe the thermometer is this, maybe it's not. He used it once or twice, but it's like if it falls in this category where it's not completely quotidian and it's not completely personal, he'll reject
1: it. Yeah, and I think that's that's an instance of that. Um, in the same way, like, Souvenir gets done twice, maybe, I think.
0: Yeah, there's a black and white and a color version. Yeah,
1: and then it's just like... Because there is too much custom work on it.
0: Well, it's also the only time his own image ever appears in his work outside of a shadow. Right, it's his only self-portrait,
1: and it was like screen-printed on a plate.
0: Right, of uh, the most anonymous possible way. Get a kitschy shop in Tokyo to, pr- to, <laughs> to represent blast your a own brain. image onto a, onto a plate. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because even the drawing of it just is a, a silhouette of a head. It's just like photo here pointing right like you know that's that that's a kind of that's a funny that I, I you know you get little jokes throughout all of both shows you get little little treats of 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 a funny
0: well what you see in his marginalia like you were really fascinated by all the small things which i to- i was also fascinated fascinated by too because those are the least known things like we should say in both shows there's a ton of stuff from jasper johns's personal collection oh yeah that you never see there are things from his collection that you see all the time like painting bitten by a man but there was plenty of little there was like an envelope that he mailed merce cunningham that he had made drawings all over or something Mm -hmm. that i had never seen in my life like um weird ephemera notebooks and things like
1: one of the first painter stick figures that's a Drawing owned by Matthew Marks that you're like, I can has that, please, uh, a a a flag, printed on silk, embedded in paraffin, which I was like, whoever has that, that that's the one, you know, like that's an ur er object. Well, sort of, yeah, like you have like, you have the whole work in 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 your hand. You know, um but yeah the the little the little works room easy to skip to, which is a real shame, like I think if you're not like circling back, you might miss it,
0: yeah, um, I mean, it definitely warrants a second viewing regardless it it almost the Philly show, especially maybe because it's a little bit more of a treat that you will not get to see it again or are unlikely to um really called out to me. I was like, I want to go through this again, but both shows kind of have that circular quality. Yeah. Um, because by the time you get to the end of his career and he's at his most like dense and Baroque and you're getting like so many illusions and callbacks thrown at you at the same time, you do kind of want to go back around and be like, where,
1: where did that start? Yeah. Cause like at the end of both of the things you get really long labels you get to start getting some long labels and you're like, am I going to read that? Probably not. But sometimes you're just like, N- just tell me like, you just, you just want like, you know, some, you're just like, do your job curator people. Tell me, tell me the story. So there's a, a Caternary painting that has, that's the, what's the, what are the things? The Manet that gets cut up and then is reassembled by Degas or Renoir? Which
0: are the Frenchies? Uh, a Manet that is cut up and sold off by his family, Degas recollected the fragments of the painting. And put it
1: on the black canvas, put right?
0: as much of it together as he could, and now it resides in London, yeah. Yeah. So, like... There's a catenary painting based on this.
1: Yes, and you just see it, and it's just gray, and you see three shapes on the left, three rectangular shapes on the left, and then the string and the stick, and then the title, and you're like, what do you mean that this is all of these things? Um, and then you get a story that it was an invitation by the French government or some French cultural ministry to, to make a thing responding to Manet's work after 200th anniversary. It was Something he like was that. old. He yeah. was, he was dead for a while. Um, and the French are like, well, we love him. Even though when he was alive, uh, we left him out of this salon." But well, fuck you. <laughs> you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, French people. <laughs> 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 um bigot. Um, you know, and it's this very like, sensitive piece about you know looking back at an artist caring for an uh, another artist's uh, vivisected corpse right and you're like huh okay like that becomes a very telling thing and especially when you have later paintings that were returned by the FBI because a, an assistant was stealing and selling them off and then he starts painting skeletons on them, which I fucking love the skeletons we'll get into the skeletons when we we drive down to Philadelphia, but who baby. Um you you start to see this idea of like a picked apart life. And then regrets coincides with this.
0: Yeah, but again it's all it's all centered around this idea of the body. Yeah. Like treating the um vivisected manet as cared for by Degas. In the same sense that you would treat a corpse, as you said. Yeah. Like, with reverence and respect. And so you... you... Trying to reassert dignity to this. Absolutely. And all of the art historical um, references that he makes, I think for a long time were treated as just pablum, as just sort of arbitrary. But when you string them together, it's like you have the Ishenheim Isch- altarpiece motif that's like a battle scene again it's sort of a vivisection and a death you have the green angel the so-called green angel which is like um a Rodin sculpture of a minotaur carrying away a body so you know at at all of these moments he's not referencing like art historical things for stylization or arbitrarily but it it ties back into this theme you know
1: well and the theme is kind of like you know
0: And it tracks his life with his own aging, yeah. which I think is what's interesting. He doesn't get to that stuff until he's older. On one hand, he's earned it. And on the other hand, he's feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, We talked a little bit uh, off mic about how it's interesting that a lot of artists in late career, their work really starts to crystallize and starts to thin out. You get just the necessary elements of an artist's career. You could think of late de Kooning, primary colors, lots of negative space. I get uh, this mushy. It's really pared down to exactly what their work yeah. is about. Uh, Rauschenberg does this too. We saw the Rauschenberg show at Pace, and there's a nice late series called Apogamy Pods where they're—
1: slideshows more or yep. less
0: just reproductions of photographs on white space, but it really crystallizes Rauschenberg's work into a succinct form. I think Jasper Johns goes in the other direction where weirdly enough, like as a very young man, I think he understood very thoroughly like what his subject was and how to get to it really in a crystalline way, really quickly targets and flags. Yeah. Targets, flags, numbers, maps. After that, you're free. You've already done like the best work. <laughs> Or I shouldn't even say the best because it's not a question of judgment. It's a question of focus. You've already done the most focused stuff. Usually artists use their uh, virtuosity and mannerism to get them to that point eventually, but instead he's gone the other direction where he's gotten uh, more and more baroque over time, which is interesting. Very few late yeah, artists it's do that.
1: rare to get more complicated. Right. Even though you could say like, skeleton drawings pretty dumb pretty simplified like that's the most one-to-one but even then he's like i put a hat on a hat literally i put a hat on the skeleton (laughs) and oh look he's got a jumping a jumping rope oh look but it's also a string that i used and i called it a catenary isn't that funny well and and it's a dude calm down
0: and it's amazing because like the show that that's from the matthew mark show was a combination of these humorous skeletons and then the ink on <laughs> yeah, inc- plastic, ever. Yeah. like works about a soldier in Vietnam, which is the first time he touches anything vaguely political in his entire career. I mean, flags are political. You, you could say dude. you could say the you could say the, targets. I mean, you, know. you could say the flags were, but like I think he treats that with enough like shrewd calculation that it defies that reading. Somehow, he also
1: doesn't regard them anymore. No, he's just like. Because those are the only things that don't get like recalibrated and tossed into the um, reference salad in any later works. Well, it's like, no thank you, we're good.
0: That isn't true. The, the flags appear in the seasons, and throughout the show, you'll notice that he's constantly doing flag prints, flag yeah. drawings. But not targets. Targets are like, no thank you. Uh, well, but, you know, he uses the device circle. I think he just evolved these things into similar. To the diver hands. Different motifs. Yeah. yeah. I guess. They never quite go away. Like, the the diver hands and the device circles function as clocks in the later work. Like, right. He just figured out ways to take his subject matter and enhance it. Yeah. You know. But it's never completely absent. Yeah. I mean, even the format of paintings like the caternaries are the same as flags. What? The Caternary paintings in general are the same uh, aspect ratio as the flag paintings.
1: Oh, well, that's just rectangles. They're paintings. Paintings are in rectangles. Yeah. You know, I don't think he's thinking that much about, like, unless they're one-to-one and they're weird shapes, and then there you go, but... Which could be, thi- could well, I be think, a thing. Well, I
0: think he might be thinking about it because it's well it's well known that the proportions that he painted the original flag in are not the proportions of an actual flag. Uh-huh. An actual flag is longer and skinnier, which those are yes. not.
1: Yes. Yeah. The little squat. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also to remind you that this is not a flag. This is a painting. This is not a symbol. This is a sign. Totally, As well, Is the way that we would talk about And right?
0: I would admit that I could be over-reading all of this. I think you are, but, but at least you, know. you know. Maybe I am, but it, but at least it leaves, at least it leaves these illusions like, and cross references open to interpretation.
1: Yeah, I, I hesitate to do the thing of like, is that an Easter egg? You know, like I I, I want to give it enough like a little more space than that. That's a fair Cause, criticism because I'm of like me. I'm looking for everything. Yeah, I'm I'm not trying to do all that. Like you know, the only thing that I was like, you know, my little my own my only Easter egg was. The arrows, there's a room of Saverin cans. Um,
0: Didn't you discover this in the Costelli show, actually, on the ruler?
1: Yeah, but then I realized what it was. So, like, there's a ruler in the upper register of uh, the Whitney Costelli show, which, by the way, let's just say this before we get into, like, minutia. Both Castelli and, or no, the Whitney's Castelli installation is literally the pa- everyone's work from the past fifty years, all in one show. And everyone and their mother has stolen from it,
0: a hundred percent.
1: And get thee to it. You can spend the. You could blow past everything else and just look around that and just see all of art history from the post-war era. And I and mean, go,
0: oh fuck it, me. It covers everybody from. Elizabeth Murray to Wade Guyton to Mary Heilman to...
1: Mary's in that other show. Yeah, she could be in that too, but...
0: Well, yeah. I, the, the Christopher point, Wol- the The point you got being, the, You
1: got the pantheon. Name
0: anyone. And they're pulling from that show. And shit. this 68 show from Leo Costelli... I mean, first of all, it looks like it could be a show right now.
1: It's in a small room, yeah. hung low as fuck. Ugh. The perfect viewing height. Let me just tell you. When I, you know, put all my shit, after I die, put my shit in a room and hang it low.
0: Yeah. who, baby. Every painting above five feet high should be hung ten inches off the ground. Oh, That should be the standard.
1: Well, it might have been, oh, was it hung the same height as a 12-inch ruler?
0: Didn't think about that, but it might have been. Probably. Looking for Easter eggs.
1: Well, I think that one's just like a, you know, I'm doing mental math of the baseboard. Um, but you know,
0: but you were saying you discovered a motif on the rulers. So the show.
1: there's a, I think it was a Westcott ruler and Westcott rulers in the brand logo have an arrow, a very specific kind of flared.
0: The arrow has a flared base, um, for his pleasure. Probably. Um, honestly, yes, there's a lot of gay sex stuff in his later work, but anyway, there's a lot of straight, uh, get thee to the matthew
1: mark show currently up with the drawings of the the straight porno slapped on top of space pictures who boy confusing um i like pussy now i'm 92 and i want <laughs> i want to stick my penis into a vagina
0: i've started listening to come town and i'm <laughs> ironically gay
1: <laughs> i'm gay but only for certain, certain dudes they must be alcoholics from the south um <laughs>
0: S- By so, the way, watch Painter's Painting in Rauschenberg be sloshed on top of a ladder. It's very funny.
1: I don't know how I got up here, <laughs> but when I think about the world, we're all just people. Oh, that's more Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the peanut butter and I put a uh, little pill in there and I put it on her gums and she falls <laughs>
0: asleep. I that was dark. I take tire and I put it on the paper and I roll it down the street.
1: That was a rhyme. I was gonna do patty cake <laughs> to that. um Yeah. Ooh boy. Ooh, yeah. Brush. Oh boy. Um, what? There's no. What? No. There's not. But okay, okay.
0: uh There is. But we can talk about either it way.
1: Arrows. So like that arrow. I was like, ooh, this is my treat. This is my takeaway. That 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 one specific thing that you think is inconsequential has a specific thing that he's like. You know what? I like that. I don't know what about the arrow other than pointing to which there's a lot of pointing to hands and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but like to have like again, it's the er arrow of like you know, m- load up Microsoft Word and then get an arrow for a document, and it's that like it's the ideogram of an arrow. Yeah. Both you know a weapon potentially and also a pointing device for documents. Sure. Which could be two in the same.
0: Yeah. Well, and One you you discovered it on the ruler. Yeah. And then? It's in the Saverin can room. Well, it's in the rest of the work. Oh, uh, it's all over the place. Because yeah, but. Th- this isn't my idea, but actually John Yao addresses this at length in his book. Um, his conjecture is that it's basically a representation of the arrow of time, something that's always moving forward. Mm. And the fact that he discovered that on a ruler is interesting, like a unit of measurement. Like, mm-hmm. we only experience time as going in one direction. But that may or may not be true.
1: Well, that's the thing. Those arrows don't. Those arrows are pointing in every fucking which way direction on all the things. It's not like the pointing of the arrows is consistent. And right. usually they're about expansion. Yes. Because they're drawing the lines of how big something should be enlarged. Right. So that is to say it's always expanding. Yes. So the theories of time.
0: And it yeah, and it points in both directions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why the painting is called according to what? I mean a different painting, but it's about the subjectivity of measurement.
1: Oh according to. Yeah. Oh. So when I you just got that. Yeah. I'm not smart and I'm just reeling
0: with that all the time. Um <laughs> Uh, so you know, we're jumping around a little bit, but that's fine at this point. Um what I like about what you're saying and what it makes me think of is the final painting uh, at the Whitney, the slice painting. That's also in the show at Matthew Marks because he starts to deal with scale in a way you never see him do it or rarely see him do it, before which we is get, cosmic. B-
1: before we get into that, what is a slice when golfing?
0: Uh, a slice when golfing is either a hook shot to your left or your right. I forget it, what it but is. But it's a misfire, right? Yeah. You're always trying to correct your slice. There's a slice and a hook, I think. And I think a slice is when you... You're doing oopsies. It's definitely a mistake, but it's when you tee off um, away from yourself. What? So if you're if you're squared up taking a golf shot, you're supposed to drive it down the fairway. Assume that's uh-huh. the straight line, right? A hook would be if you hit it towards your body. A slice would be when you hit it away from your body.
1: Ooh. I just thought of that because I was like, wait, slice is a golf word. I was not thinking about that until just now. uh,
0: Slice as a title, I've been thinking about a lot since seeing that painting because it's a lot of things. Well, it's slice of life. Slice of life. You know, slice, you could go with the golf term. I mean, it's always a fraction of a whole.
1: Oh, a slice of pie.
0: A slice of pie, a slice of an orange, whatever. Yeah. Whenever you... Are dealing with that, you're dealing with a single layer of a broader thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at that galactic map, it's called slice in the most literal sense because it's a slice of our galactic neighborhood, our universal neighborhood, rather. Okay. That was the term from the physicist, not oh. from him. Okay. So the the title in the most like explicit sense derives from her. Er that's the title of that image in the scientific community a slice oh well that's a little less fun well but it's not because i think he fixates on things very specifically and only for, for all their reason. expansive and all for all of their expansive, yeah. yeah yeah
1: no yeah okay all right i didn't know that that came from oh here's a slice image of okay well
0: yeah because when you're looking at The universe, from the point of view of Earth, we can only see a narrow part of it. You can't see what's behind Earth. The sun is always blocking it. What? When you're pointing a telescope from Earth Uh to the rest of the universe, you only have have that cone of an aperture, Mm -hmm. right? That's all the observational universe can ever be. Right. In the same sense that we can never see the dark side of the moon unless you fly around it.
1: Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to see it though. Absence of light, right?
0: Well, astronauts that flew around the dark side of the moon could see it. There's okay. en- there's enough available light to see it if you get to the other oh. side, but you can't see it from your vantage point.
1: Right. Okay. I literally was like, what did they do? Did they get a flashlight out? Like a-
0: they turn on the brights, driving around and going,
1: "Oh shit, dog."
0: No, the sun is very the sun is very bright. I know. I realized <laughs> it later, but it took me a while and I was fe-
1: again, I'm feeling very dumb today (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) so i was like oh yeah there's other stuff in in space to bounce light off of like planets that are fucking huge and they'll go boop here you go um no they're very far away so i don't know about that um also the mental image of like space car from fast nine just going like oh fuck dark side turn on the brights (laughs) motherfucker um anywho um yeah i don't know i i feel like yeah, I don't think you can look at the slice painting without seeing the slice prints and drawings.
0: Uh, well, that's the Matthew Mark show. Yeah, and um,
1: if you can't get to Philly, go to fucking take a walk to twenty. Well, look, Street. we Jesus
0: we both Christ. saw the slice painting first. Yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately I spoiled it for myself by reading about it in the New York Times. Oh, um, yeah. I kind of wish I had just seen it sight unseen. I. I I was still bowled over anyway. I I mean, I really love that painting. I love Jasper Johns' late work so much. And in my opinion, he just keeps getting better and better. The more his scope expands um, beyond his own body, the more interesting I think it gets. Um, It does get mystical at a certain point. Um, But with this lens of technology, it's always because of the way we map it. That's how we'll understand it. I think he ends up rooted at the end of the day in a very material understanding of history. Like, humans are not idealistic creatures in a philosophical sense. Um, There is a world that your body occupies. It's not just your mind. Yeah. And so when that world gets big because we've gotten big as a species, it's interesting for me to see him make contact with that. So when he finally goes from... Dealing with
1: maybe the freaky children and some of the late works are actually just the grays and not, you know, shadows of his child body.
0: Well, I think you could really, I think you could legitimately read the stick figure images that, you know, on the most base level are readable as like ideograms of cavemen painting yeah. on cave walls. Mm-hmm. Um, Except they have hats. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes they, they have get a hats. little top hat. Sometimes he's just having fun. You, know? <laughs> you got to just have fun. I just fun. like to have fun sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I do think you could read them as being, um, other than human for sure.
1: Well, yeah, they're, they're like, you know, like in, to jump very far ahead, there's a, um, it a print or a drawing, both, who cares? Um, it's called six, six painters at work. Yeah. Funniest shit I think I've ever seen for, you know, I think it's funny Maybe I have bad taste in humor, but it's six. It's a duplicated suite of the trio of stick, stick painter dudes. I'm calling them dudes. They could be they's. I don't know. Whatever. Or greys. Who knows? Um, and then it's, does it have a little bit of slice in it? Like a drawing or no? Does it have uh, a spacey drawing or no?
0: I think it has part of the space drawing. and Barely.
1: And then it's got the like fucking drawing.
0: Yeah, so in the Matthew Mark show, there shockingly these don't appear in the museum retrospective. Um there are lots of images of a Japanese print of a close up of fucking.
1: Not even well, not even fucking the the like cum shot.
0: Yeah, it's a cum shot on a pussy. Like Wild. It's it's the best of both worlds no matter your oh. <laughs> no matter your persuasion there is something uh pulsating and wet to look at
1: um but jarring in the when you think about jj you're like of course. this is the most sexless shit in the world and then you're like excuse me sir i can't be thinking about space and space and dicks and then the little brushmen, And now you've done it. And now that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like the little brushmen are little pervs, like painting the history of the, the sky and sex. And it's just like, is that like his, like, you know, his like version of dumb as a dauber is like, well, painters just think about space and
0: fucking. Yeah. Well, and I think at the end of the day, he's absolutely right. <laughs> like, don't you think like yeah, what funny, I really yeah. appreciated about the, the Matthew Mark show, which is all studies for this newest From, painting slice. Yeah. Um, and a shitload of skeletons. Is how on the nose it all is of just like at the end of the day, it's sensuality and the origin of the world in the Corbet sense and the stars. Like what is the what is the experience of being alive other than sensual pleasure and reproduction and contemplating existence? Like, this is all we can map at the end of the day. This is what humans are. We are reducible to stick figures painting these things at all times in our minds.
1: Well, well, I think, like, if you think about the time metaphor, it's just, like, it led to this expansion, it led to this, and it also started in a cave with some dudes and some sticks. Sometimes we give them top hats. Like, you know, like moder- like, if you think about, like, especially, like, that kind of, like, Flannorian top hat, like the idea of like this is where you get the Manet references of like the the Japanese of it all of like that's why it's a a print a Japanese woodblock print potentially of like you have you know all you have are dumb cave painters and then the origin of modernity and then another dumbass who's present with an actual brush they all don't have brushes right. He's the one with the, he's the stick figure with the brush,
0: right? It's it's not to take it too seriously, but what the top hat represents at the end of the day is perhaps the only advancement we've made in a hundred thousand years of human history is like bourgeois society. You get to put a little top hat on, but you're just as dumb and unknowledgeable as the cavemen you disrespect. It's the Picasso quote, looking at Lascaux: "We have learned nothing." Yeah. We are representing exactly the same things and exactly the same conundrum with more complex language. And all we've learned about it is that we get to have a little hat now. Well, we get to have a hat. We get get to to have a little hat as a treat.
1: (laughs) Well, or or you get the hat and like the, you know, you you learn a little bit of shame. You have to cover your, your hat. You have to, you know, and then, you know, you get the woodblock print and you're like, he's like, no hats. Raw dog only. Yeah, yeah. The experience of Jasper Johns. Raw dog only. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Well, and I think it shows a lot of restraint that at the end of the day, the finished painting, he opted to use a child's drawing of a knee. Of a
1: knee, which is like, he's like, that's going too. So I don't know. Let's do that. That seems
0: cute. Yeah, yeah. Well, he restrained himself a little bit in his critique of humanity, where it was a little bit more naive at the end of the day that we are children against the cosmos. Um, not, we are lusting.
1: Well, yeah. Against the cosmos. also that, you know, you can know so much about the world and plot the, the known universe, but do you know any more than a kid who's drawing a diagram of a knee?
0: Yeah. That's a better reading of it. Yeah.
1: Like we know what we know. We know what's available and what's, As much as we can develop images beyond the knowable world, at the end of the day, what's more what what's closer to our our reality? A diagram of the known or a map of territory we can't fathom? Right. That's a way to go out. He might make more I mean, who knows? How however many horror cruxes keep dying. Right. You know, that's a good thread to be like on your way out on.
0: Right. Right. Of course. And all of, yeah, I'm restating what you just said, but the uh, billions of dollars and all of the investment and building of history that went into being able to map an image of our, you know, near galactic neighborhood is just as rudimentary as a child's drawing of a knee at the end of the day. In the the universal scope. With the same accuracy. It's the same accuracy. Maybe less actually is the point mm-hmm. a smart child from nigeria is at the same level as the most sophisticated astronomer well
1: a 17 year old intern just found a new planet yeah, or a well, star or whatever the that's fuck.
0: not even impressive anymore people are finding new planets all the fucking time well it was like day three let
1: the child have a win jesus christ Hey. Okay. all right so going south
0: yeah, okay. So we're you wanna, going on a train. I mean, Go we were jumping all over the place, but we can talk about Philly in particular. I mean, I
1: I think like I think Philly's the better show, I'm not
0: going to lie. I was building to that as well. I if I had to take one, I would take Philly for sure. Like yeah. I, it kind of wasn't even close in my mind.
1: Blowout. Knockdown drag out blowout.
0: I thought the <sighs> Philly was
1: you you had the like the bank, you know, like the greatest hits, but like, you know, when you think of like A career of someone like Jasper Johns, you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm not really here for the greatest hits because these are just up all the time. I don't really care.
0: Yeah, if you're interested, you see them. They're up.
1: Fuck them. Yeah. Give me the weird shit. Give me everything from the from his personal collection all at once, and from places like you know, give me the shit from Basel or from you know wherever the fucking Tokyo. Give, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me treats. Papa wants treats. They also have like the funny one. They got the painting with the two balls, and I always go, "Ha ha, two balls!" And then I keep. They moving. had the better early work too. Yeah, I, I was
0: I was much more captivated by the early work at Philly than I was at the Whitney for some reason. I can't quite put my finger I on. that. I
1: feel like the Whitney was so obsessed about getting according to what, and that was the linchpin to their whole idea.
0: Right, which, by the way, came from the Philadelphia Museum of Art. They, yeah, they jacked it from
1: them. They, it's been done there. No, that's why, like, see, the, like, they're like, we brought it here to New York. I'm like, I've seen this in Philly. I don't really care. Like, this is not that surprising to me. So sorry. Um, which is just, you know, that's, I'm a smug asshole who pays attention. But, like, you go to Philly and you're like, we're leading with a banger. Here you go. Here's your fucking pla- flag painting. And you're in Philadelphia. So you're like, America, everywhere. Right? Um, they get the theme. You know, totally, they don't, and they're like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do this." Numbers we talked about it. I don't care. Numbers not that important.
0: No, and we did justice to the best of the number paintings, which are the overlapping ones.
1: Yeah, it was it was not for me. Let me just say that I looked around, and went, "Oof, a lot of numbers." You know, set my expectations low, and then you get the the Castelli room there, and you are like, "Ooh, okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. All right, we're getting some, we're getting some treats. Treats are happening," and then. I don't know if after that is Uzuyuki room or after or
0: before. Can't, um, can't
1: recall. Layout very fucked up.
0: Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to the phone really quick because I, I took so many pictures. Um, yes, after numbers is Yusuyuki, which by the way, great room because I think I commented to you after the Whitney show that I was like, there was only one crosshatch painting in that show, and that's kind of crazy because that's a huge period of time. I mean, it's There's- almost shitloads of those, too. It's almost 10 years of he only did that. Yeah. Early 70s till early 80s, he was basically just doing crosshatch like,
1: I'm painting. not fucking around with anything else right and
0: now. And it was a conspicuous absence in the Whitney show, although the one they did have was great. Dancers on a Plane is an amazing painting.
1: Which one is that? I don't even know what that is. Um,
0: It's a primary colored crosshatch painting, the one that I described at length before with the frame with the embedded utensils. I, It's fine.
1: I'm not that blown up. My doors didn't blow off because it's got the stupid, like, effects on it. Just give me a crosshatch, painting.
0: Well, the thing that they did really well in both shows, but they, they did great in Philly. I actually, did you watch any of the video? Absolutely in the Japan not. Room? I do not have time for that. Um, it was interesting just because I, I had never seen that. I didn't know that that was produced, but somebody did a short documentary about his time working with printmakers in Japan. Um, I believe the director was a woman, but I can't remember her name.
1: That's in the book somewhere. We'll um, figure
0: it out. But it's always interesting for me to see stuff like that because he doesn't allow that to happen that often. Fair. And, and getting, yeah. like, an in, insight into his process and knowing that, like, he lived in Tokyo. I mean, I feel like this isn't really well covered in his chronology because, again, the way he's covered art historically is always that this is the point at which he falls off. I think the crosshatch paintings, people were on board for a second, and then they're like, you've been doing this for too long, like... Are you a mannerist? You're never going yeah. to reinvent yourself. You're done. And then he gets to the Trump-Loy stuff, and it's kind of inscrutable to people, and they just forget about him until now. Ooh, inscrutable. Ooh. Choice word there. <laughs> you might want to do it again an hour later. Okay. Um, But anyway, I really, really loved the Yusuyuki room, the Japan room. Amazing. The large Yusuyuki encaustic painting. Never seen that before. Mm-mm. Probably will never see it again. I forget from which collection it came. Um, what was the name of it? Not birds of paradise. Some other thing. The large painting. Yeah. It was called Yusuyuki. They're They're all all called. They're all called that. One of them has
1: a title. The one with the six panels.
0: Well, I don't know. Either way. I mean, yeah.
1: Moving on. I, I mean, I just was here for like having the like way too tall installation where they hide the one where it's the newspaper strips glued down in the crosshatch. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (gasps) damn, bitch, like you just kind of go, oh, like I took a picture of that because I was like, didn't think about that. Like, those are like a recurrence of the newspaper underneath.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, ooh. Um, I don't think it was presented in either show, but there's a favorite drawing of mine in the uh, MoMA retrospective catalog where he does the crosshatch pattern, but he does it with four finger strokes the whole time. There's not a print with some streakies? There might be. There might be, but, you know. Oh, in the background of one of the Saverin things, there's
1: handprint. There's handprint
0: yeah. versions of this. There's newspaper versions of this. There's encaustic. There's ink on plastic. Like, the crosshatch paintings really let him breathe formally because he's not tied down to narrative at all. Or words. Or words.
1: Yeah. I think the word, I think the having, removing a glyph, or we could just say figure, the or the idea of figure. Is now gone.
0: Right. Dealing with pattern really, truly for the first time. Yeah. It's his, it's his abstraction. That's the closest he ever gets. Well, that leads into cobblestones. Or vice versa.
1: No, I think cobblestones are later. Cobblestones are in the 70s.
0: Yeah, because I think the the, the Japan sixies. room in Philly leads into the Untitled room, which is one of the first instances of Cobblestone. I'm not yeah. sure it's the first one, but it's one of the first instances, and it's the crosshatch and Cobblestone and like an assemblage of body, body parts, parts all combined. Who's cast? Of, who was that
1: cast of? Do we know?
0: I'm not sure. Probably somebody? of himself. Um, I think that's usually what they are, Ooh. but it could have been somebody else. I don't know, Merce or Bob or. John Cage. Somebody. Somebody.
1: Who wants to sit in plaster? I'll give you 20 American dollars. My assistants will slather you up and then you just have to sit there. Can you handle that?
0: Hmm. Is this something you do on Grinder? Okay.
1: I learned it from you, John.
0: (laughs) Um, No. uh, I really have to pee, so I'm going to pause it.
1: Okay. Where were we? Uh, We
0: were talking about the Yusuyuki room and then moving into the cobblestone room, the untitled room. Correct.
1: I don't know. Cobblestones are kind of cool. I don't know.
0: Well, you never really see those very often. Well, you don't. Like, in the Whitney show, they appear in Harlem Light in the 1968 Costelli room. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know which came first. I have a feeling that that untitled painting in Philly, if I'm remembering correctly, 72 is the first appearance of them. It's either that or Harlem Light. Harlem Light, because that's from 68. From 68, a. of course. Okay, so they appear, and then they go away, and then they come back.
1: Are they a part of the, um, not Brecht, who's the guy, the Joyce book? Beckett. Beckett, whatever. Drunk Irish People Who Are Sad book?
0: Uh, yeah, they are. I mean, in that untitled room, uh, that's where the Beckett book is. Which, by the way, was a real thrill for me to see because I do There were three of them. Shit. Well, they were just... It was the same book open to different pages. Yeah. But yes, uh, seeing a copy of that at all was amazing because I'd always heard about that as a thing, but I'm sure it's $3,000 or something insane.
1: Oh. More. You can't even lean on the plinth.
0: Right. That's not a thing you can get.
1: It's not... You can't pop up to, you know, the fourth floor strand and be like, y'all got the Jasper Johns Beckett? And then he'd be like, how much gold do you have, sir?
0: Yes, it, this will be 500 Bitcoin.
1: And you go, oh, fuck me, you gotta go. Yeah.
0: Um, You know, that's something that I wish I knew more about. I was actually thinking about this after we saw the show because Jasper Johns has a relationship with poetry that I just don't personally have, you know? So there's paintings that are... To Hart Crane. There's paintings that are to Beckett. Like, he illustrated the Beckett book. Oh, um, the thing for Frank O'Hara. Frank O'Hara, but, of yeah, course. but Frank
1: O'Hara got run over by a beachcomber. Yeah. I mean, what a way to go.
0: I think he also had a personal relationship with Frank O'Hara. They were up and comers at the same time. Frank O'Hara was an he, art writer. So.
1: He, he was a curator at MoMA.
0: Okay. But so, you know. That's an element of Johns' work I wish I knew more about that I'm completely missing because I just have very little interest in poetry. I mean, I've tried over the years, but it just never takes. I can't. Poetry's hard.
1: You either feel like, huh, that's, again, like, that's a clunker or that made me feel something where I go, ooh, no, that is, ugh. Did you also, like, carve that into your notebook? Well, you know, during study hall,
0: it makes me feel unsophisticated because poetry is the abstraction of the literary world, like in the sense that fiction draws you into a world that you're not a part of. It's the window in words. I think poetry, especially modern poetry, is supposed to be more concrete. It's supposed to remind you of your own life and where you are in the world as you read it. Um I guess I just have a very contemporary attachment to like entertainment value when I'm reading where if that's not present, I'm it's difficult for me.
1: Well, I don't want like, you know, scattershot thought. I'm like, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with it? Like literally just like, what am I supposed to do with this? Same thing. Like, you know, in the fifties, it's like my kid could do that. I'm like, I know a kid can't do that, but like the fuck do I get from this? I don't know. But if you like say the words, you go, Oh, there's rhythm sure oops because i never think of doing that no me neither i'm not also not going to be a crazy person sitting in a
0: room reading poetry to myself well like i said that's I, sad i mean i've tried and it just doesn't feel right i can't explain it
2: mm.
0: but it does make me feel like i'm missing an element of jasper johns and it also makes me feel like i'm missing an element of a lot of painting i think a lot of painters respond to poets or used to that was the thing yeah and I think there's a I think there's a good reason for that it's like it's not unrelated, you know you you're exploring a liminal space somewhere between representation and like mood, well description and feeling, yeah,
1: you know, like you're just like, I'm trying to get at something that I know I can't really get at like within the boundaries of vocabulary. And you're like, okay, so why are you doing it with vocabulary is always my like impasse I'm like Trying to use words to describe the indescribable, but with the words,
0: yeah, but you could say the same thing about images, and it would sound just as ridiculous, which yeah, is but... why I think it's a personal problem, and that's why we not something I want to categorically judge,
1: yeah, but that's why we're in picture land, you know, of course, yeah, um anywho um. But, you know, that that's also a room with, like, you know, the history of the last 50 years. The untitled painting is literally just a bunch of people's careers and shit. And you go, okie dokie. Like, that pink brushstroke that's drippy next to a black cobblestone. I was like, I know Mary Hellman saw this. Like, there's no fucking way. There's no way. Yeah. Like you can't just be like i love goopy ceramics and dripping paint on stuff i'm a kooky old lady and you know long island you're like ma'am you're not you're not that stoned like i know you saw this one thing you're like fuck that's a thing like you just it's inevitability because it's like such a specific kind of move in painting yeah so um and even like seeing like uh the Thomas Siskowski like last paintings like when you see the cobblestones and you think about Tina's you're just like oh my dude you were meandering your own way through through the pavers so hey right you just made a whole career out of one thing
0: yeah, I mean the list of artists that made an entire career out of Jasper Johns' work is like one aspect of is basically everyone. <laughs> I mean, it, it really truly is. Like uh, you, you can go all the way back to the '60s, and that's true. I think this is why I was like fixated on the arrows. I'm
1: like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, give me the
0: arrows. But you know, because I think it's really easy to have. I think it's really easy to have subject matter in art. It is not very easy to have a subject.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think it's yeah, become think...
0: increasingly difficult to have a subject because life doesn't feel singular.
1: Well, I, also, I would say that it's not about having, but it's about recognizing what the subject is, even for your own self. Or recognizing a subject that you care about. Because a lot of people attach themselves to subject matter as a thing that they're like, this is my vehicle. Right. This is my, this is the vessel that I shall pour content into, you know, guilty sometimes, most of the time. But, you know, it, it just becomes very tricky to be like, what's the actual subject at hand in all of this nonsense here?
0: Well, because it becomes tricky because there is really only one subject, which is dealing with, dealing with living yes is the subject of
1: any sort of thing in the world because if it's just like my work is at the intersection of like like beauty and like how like technology fucks everything up and you're like what does that mean i don't know what you mean are you a beauty influencer because that's what you would be if that was the case
0: well the problem is is that you can't start with aesthetics and this kind of circles all the way back to discussing whether or not there are clunkers in this show yeah and like the reason i don't think that there is is because i don't think jasper johns is an aesthetically motivated artist really i think he's a really good technician that can make really attractive things whenever he wants yeah. but i don't think that that's his primary motivation ever
1: yeah i mean like maybe for I me think maybe ev- for me a clunker is something that it remains elusive even though like everything should lead to like an understanding of it i'm like i still don't get that one and i don't think i ever will or i'm not any nearer to like cracking the code on what that means even amongst all these
0: other things yeah but like the the entire framing of that is wrong like
1: well it's a false it's a false equivalency but you know like that's yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. my own that's my own cross. I'm not in I'm terms not of,
0: yeah I'm not trying to judge you too harshly. Like I, I I underst I understand the impulse and I do this with all other arts yeah
1: constantly. So, but like you know I mean but in the in you know just to circle back to the the Philly show like that those instances were a lot less. Like as every like almost everything except for like a couple number paintings I was like. Banger, 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 banger. Like, keep it moving. This is great. Let's keep going. Like, you know, like, even getting to the doubles room there, the mirror room in Philly is, like, you find your own little moments of, like, ooh, with the doubles. Like, you have your flag moment. Like, the, that one has the Ballantine can. Like, there's its own Ballantine can, which is also in the wind. like, you know, you have these kind of slips in time of, like, ooh, that comparison, ooh, ooh, ooh. You get you start jamming, and then you get into the nightmare room, and you're like, "Oh, hello."
0: That was my favorite room in the entire show.
1: I think maybe the better of all the, the best of all the rooms.
0: It was the best on a number of levels because it had the most treats. Oh, in treats In the sense abound. that I think you're saying, like, it had paintings from all over the world, from his personal paintings collection, from the collection you never did see, things you will never see again. Yeah. Um. Stupid little skull drawing. Can't wait to plug that in somewhere. Well, it was also the first appearance of a lot of things. Yeah. Like, the first appearance of the caveman men, like... Oh, the ink painting with the little people? Like, yeah. As part of the signature, which was clever. Well, like, as
1: part of, like, I gotta, like... There's too much ink on this fucking pen nib. I gotta, like,
0: do something with it. Well, and then it doesn't come back for, like, 30 years. Love it. Yeah. Amazing stuff.
1: The like burnt painting making its like corpse revival. Sure, um, owned by Larry Gagosian. Find it hilarious.
0: Yeah, w- uh, we should explain that for a second. There was a there was a target painting, the black target that was destroyed in a fire while it was on well, display. Damaged in a fire, damaged to the point of unshowability. If it can't be conserved, it was destroyed. So the but the parts. MoMA kept the parts. They kept the remnants of it, but it was destroyed in a fire at the New York Governor's Mansion when it was on display in the '60s. So not long after it was made, it was burned. And for years, and, and to years, burn
1: an encaustic painting means you just have traces of some stuff, and then oops. Well, can you imagine how
0: melted it would have been? I don't know. It would have been all fucked up. Yeah, heat would fuck it up. You know. Beyond a it, slightly warm room, fucks. Beyond it up. being yeah. charred, it was probably melted. You know. Yeah. So, this painting gets stored in MoMA's like deep archives for years and years and years, and then John's eventually in the early 90s we'll go take a visit. Goes and takes a visit to it and made an almost identical recreation of it in nineteen ninety two, to the same scale. What year
1: was the MoMA retrospective? Ninety six. So they were gearing up, and they're like, "Hey, now, we, we got Joe, we got Joe, burnt shit." You want? But I take know a look?
0: for sure that he didn't show that painting in the MoMA retrospective because I have the catalog, and they have an image of the original, but they don't have that one
1: because burnt tar- or black tar- new black, black target was 97?
0: 92.
1: made in ninety two. So he saw yeah. it ninety 90- saw it in ninety two ish, or let's say in like ninety one, makes he- it in ninety two and goes, "No, no, you don't get this."
0: Well, who who knows what the circumstances around showing it are or not? But the fact is, I don't think anybody until this show knew that that existed. I don't think that's ever appeared in a catalog before.
1: How they Larry fucking get it? Except
0: then? for maybe the catalog resume, he probably bought it when it was made.
1: I. Remember. He was probably like,
0: "Well, if I buy it from, him, I get to steal him from Leo." Well, sure. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but it's a fascinating painting because it's a near identical facsimile. Like, I've seen the black and white photograph of the original enough times. When I saw that painting, I thought that they had printed out a life-size, like, Clay version just as, like, a big... They just
1: took it off of the, the Whitney install process. And, and they just...
0: didn't, but he did that himself, which That's is funny. a very Johnsian maneuver. Yeah. Like One of the most interesting things about this show that I will give credit to the curators for making prominent is that... Weird things happen in his life, like his paintings getting stolen, like a painting getting burned, and he always incorporates it, not in a way that's over the top, but, but it's not off limits. But in a way that is perfectly him. Well, I'll just remake it.
1: Well, I, I, at least I remember what it looks like now. And it'll I can be a new that.
0: painting, except it's, it's, it's the not, same the, as it's the, the, the old, same old thing, painting. Yeah. It's very strange. It's it's like. Mike Bidlow, eat your heart out. He, probably, he made his entire career off that single gesture. You want to
1: call that off. a career? Um, I mean, I think he probably was just like what size was it? Literally, just had to be like, I don't, I don't remember what it, what size it was. What size is the like charred stretcher? Great, let me just crank that out.
0: Well, it's it's a well enough documented painting that he would have been able to figure out what size it was, whether the remains oh, right, were yeah. there or not. I just think like looking at the, imagine that. You're an older artist now, and you go and look at a painting of yours that was more or less destroyed a long time ago, and you're like, oh, yeah, that one. And you're like, hmm, that wasn't that bad. Let me do that again. And part of your practice is constantly revisiting time and repetition. Yeah. You're like, this is perfect. I'll just do it.
1: Oh, I found, like, drawings of from, like, 10 years ago. And I'm like, that was hot. Should I do that again? I'm better at stuff now.
0: Well, the answer is you should. I think more people should do that. Like, interacting with your personal history and artistic history, I think there's a constant pressure on artists now to constantly be moving forward. Yeah,
1: but fuck it. Who cares? No one's looking at my shit. Why not?
0: Well, and not only that, it's just that's not the way that life works. Yeah. It works in ebbs and flows and circling back, you know? Yeah, why not? Um... But so we're back in the nightmare room. It's got scratchy, got scratchy wax
1: painting, and you're like, ooh, baby, love to see it. Uh, painting from Basel that you're like, ooh, this is weird, never going to see this again. Yeah, So Celine. nice to see you. Named after a person. Like, who's Celine? Like, the author, Celine? I don't know. All right. Celine, the only broad that I thought about while making Slice. I wish I would have hit it when I was straight in 1954. <laughs> um... <laughs> But no, that, that room you're just like, uh, do you like, again, it's like, this is everything. Okay, great. But it's like, unpullable from, almost, almost unpullable from. I found a treat in there. I got some treats out of that one. So,
0: well, I think we both did. I mean, my favorite treat from that room, I mean, it serves your point that it's unpullable from. I don't know what I'll ever do with it, but I'm obsessed with it is a Yusoyuki painting from Jasper Johns' personal collection that is color ink on paper with black over it. Yeah. Or ink on plastic, rather. Never seen that before. No. I was like, you just did a wild one here totally for yourself.
1: Yeah, why not? He's like, like a psychedelic I like these. Yeah.
0: crosshatch painting. I was like, and the And uh, the ink on plastic, me? you're
1: just like, these are so difficult to deal with, I'm sure. Just, like, handler level of, like, okay, so we have a JJ. It's an income plastic, and everyone goes, fuck me. Like, I don't want to touch it. Because, like, it's going to move.
0: Well, you send it to the framer, and it's really it's their problem. Yeah, but if you ever unframe it, it. you're like, oh fuck
1: me, no. Like, I wouldn't want to go near that.
0: No, no, you get a drop of sweat on that, and you've ruined it.
1: Oh, yeah, what do they do? They're just, like, go to the coldest room. The sweat the sweaty handlers can't be near it.
0: I don't know if there's anything you can do about it, yeah. Oof. Yeah, but anyway, what did you find in that room that you loved? Give me that skull give me that little stupid skull, skull drawing all day long. There was that I had never seen before. A very strange Weird like, skull. diagrammatic skull. But, but not the first proportional
1: but the first instance of like you know, cartoony ooky spooky skeleton. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you didn't get it right this time. This was not the one, and there's a giant ink blot in the corner. That I'm like, well, we could use. That's a little more shrouded, right? Um, But the whole idea of like mm, thinking about dying, okay, fuck it. Or like it's obviously like blotting paper, maybe something, yeah. And it's just like fuck it. I just gotta like the impulse is to do skull. Yeah, it's just like oh, we all gotta die anyway. Here we go. All right, pen's ready. Like. That's funny. Like, again, like the little, f- the joke, it starts to get funny towards the end of Philly. Yeah. Except for like, you know, the white catenary that I'm like, 2002, I'm like, is this your 9-11 painting? I don't know. Well,
0: I wonder if the Caternary paintings in general, I mean, they have Twin Towers in them, all of them, with gravity linking them. Yeah. I. I nobody ever talks about that, but I do think that that's very obvious in the Caternary paintings that that's what he's thinking about
1: but it's also like general the weight of death and yeah absolutely history, again you know? i
0: mean he very rarely ever gets explicitly political like him doing a painting of a 911 jumper or something would be crazy he doesn't do that no cuz again it's too on the nose because it has to be uni- it has to be universal yeah like when you say on the nose it's not to, not to split hairs but it's like it's not quite accurate because usually things that are on the nose are uh upfront and topical he's never topical
1: no i mean on the nose of, of like literally hold your hand in your face and someone smacks it like no no, no too too stupid you know like it, it becomes that level of like we don't want to go that base of instant recognizability
0: but yeah i mean i think it has to be beyond instant recognizability exactly and i and i think the caternary paintings being all about gravity in that moment are like both about aging but also as a society declining and then perhaps the twin tower metaphor is there or and that's not. why
1: you get the the farley breaks down yeah the, the vietnam callback in the middle of you know and like you know he not a hippie but like he lived through the 70s he lived through uh, vietnam well, i don't know when vietnam was that's i'm a terrible person but, like, you know, he he's old enough to see history repeat itself a couple times. Absolutely, yeah. So he's like, Ugh, I'm so bored with this. Yeah. Like, so I'll choose the thing that is the image that's the most, like, heart-wrenching and just flatten it. Right. Literally, if you took it and it was, like, clay and you just steamrolled it, he's like, painting now. Because even the whole idea of, like, a water-soluble encaustic, which still baffles I, me. Me too. Don't understand it. Someone tell me how it gets done, please. Um, it does that thing of just, like, looking like smush. Yeah. Like, it doesn't... It has... If you think about uh, normal encaustic as having downward gravity from being painted on wall, like, it's the only one that almost has, like, a you know, Pollock, like, different kind of downward, like, flatbed gravity.
0: Well, because the income plastic are always p- painted yeah. flatbed anyway, I think the water-soluble encaustic thing, the element that that medium brings to it is that the plastic that it's painted on they always say plastic but what it mylar re- what it really is is frosted mylar and what you have is frosted on frosted yeah which leaves a very strange filmic space not in a cinematic sense but in a material sense yeah. of like um
1: but also like in len- the same like sense len
0: Lye colorways sure yeah in the same sense that your skin is transparent to your blood vessels and stuff, and it flushes differently because of the transparency of the layers of your skin on and top he's of He's old muscle. at this point,
1: and he's, like, looking at his liver spots going, fuck,
0: yeah, my, yeah. fuck
1: my life, literally. Like, well, I it's... don't think that's unrelated.
0: Yeah. I really I really do think that the metaphor of skin, like the skin drawings that you see in the Whitney show of him pressing his face and hands on the drafting paper. Well, a
1: lot of the skeletons are also on, like, leathers,
0: yeah, there's leather, there's papyrus. Um there's weird material choices towards the end where not only is it like playful and just like stylistically interesting, but it feels yeah, it's visceral.
1: Yeah. I think it there is, there's one in Philly. I think it's in Philly. That's like mounted on leather and you're like excuse on leather paper. I'm like, "Excuse me, sir, what is leather paper?" Do you mean leather? It's like, no, we cut up the cow and then we cut up the tree and then we binded it together with God knows what the fuck. And then I put my shit on it and you're like, my dude, how did someone do this for you? Someone had to do that for, unless tell me who's making leather paper.
0: I mean, I'm sure it's completely custom. Yeah.
1: Damn. I mean, goddamn, you know, um, and then it ends with oh, the whole thing ends with postcards, skeletons, weird weird pussy paintings and then sculpt metal again and you're like again where did you get that sir it's 2020 and you have sculpt metal which you have not used in 50 years right how did you get it does it still exist i don't think it does maybe it does i don't know if, oh, I fucking know but
0: I don't know either, but if it doesn't, I'm sure he has the resources to make it exist. Whether that means buying Calling a guy 50-year-old stock or saying, like, this is what I used to use. How do you make this? And contacting some sort of foundry or, or whatever. Or, like, a conservator
1: who's like, yeah. we got it. Don't you And worry.
0: being like, well, we can make this for you, but it's going to cost $10,000. Like, like, price
1: is no whatever. object. Yeah, Yeah. Like baffling to me. well
0: i want to can we dwell on the late work for a second because i think you and i have opposite attractions to what we appreciate about it i think the postcards is where we could actually come together those are weird paintings love those and i'm very glad that they featured those because they seem like a minor point in jasper johns's entire oeuvre but they're sort of the last time he made a sustained set of paintings He's been more interested in drawings and stuff, and prints, and weird little shit. There's the occasional large encaustic here or there, but he's been mostly drawing and... Because old people are not lifting that fucking panel up and down off
1: the wall all the goddamn time.
0: Well, and we talked about how the stick men could be greys earlier, but in the postcards, what you have is the shadow impression of a young child, but with too large a head, he looks like a gray. It's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah.
1: I don't like the creepy kid. No no me gusta creepy kid, you know, coming up, up all over well, these postcards.
0: The question is, is, like, who is that? Is that your past self? Is that your reincarnated self? Like, I well, think you start hy- to get into weird territory. Well, it's a there.
1: hybrid of uh, the season's shadows. Yes. But with skinny body it's the same scale of head and same shape of head but like the body scale like the shoulders down are all narrower and smaller and everything shorter yeah and it's you know the seasons have genitalia lumps in a way that the the later shadows do not do not yeah so it it becomes this like kind of kid memory but like you can't picture your own head as a little kid right you just benjamin button yourself that's right Because they do have Benjamin Button
0: scale. Well, and the way that he's always represented, too, is sort of menacing. Like, even in those postcard paintings where it's all white, think about that in contrast to the one little kid painting you get in the Whitney, where it's that acrylic painting that's the dark version of the postcards.
1: Oh, with the stupid shit in the background? Where it's
0: very dramatically lit.
1: With the, like, fireworks and the schmuches?
0: Well, yeah, it's like a black painting, yeah.
1: I might not know what you're talking about. This what I'm saying, like, overload with, I, you see 500 things. Yeah, I hate that, though.
0: Well, the, the photograph doesn't no justice, but that's a very weird painting. There's a lot of space in it's that painting. It's weird, yeah. And, and it's weird, and it's sort of uncomfortable to look at, but then you get the postcards. It's
1: like a Tala Madani,
0: weirdly. Sure. Um, You get the light version of that, but the way that, that that child gray silhouette is always presented in space, it's farther back than anything ever gets. in. John's it's like painting. the kids from The
1: Shining in the hallway, yes. and you're like, no, don't keep it. Well,
0: and I think the use of setting that back is very deliberate. Like, yeah. I can't quite put my finger on that, but that's either like... Either... An, a- an aging person that's waiting for something coming, like, that's either a gray that's greeting him when he dies, or that's him looking back. Or
1: it's the long shadow when your head just happens to be really big for y- some reason yeah. That. yeah. Which is probably closer to the whatever. Well,
0: but... but it's either looking back or it's looking forward, and it's unclear. And because the arrow goes in both directions, because it's always an indicator of scale... I don't think he's, you know, on the McCracken's, you know... Kinsey scale there. Well I, I don't think he is in an explicit way like obviously Jasper Johns would never say that about his own work but I think when you're reading the implications of it I think he is kind of there.
1: I feel like you know, you know how famously he doesn't answer questions like direct questions about the work like that would be a fun you know if anyone got an interview and be like so do you believe in aliens? Just like curveball him just be like just give me a little hint. I, you know, we we don't have to say that I see this in your work, but, like, let me let me see where your head is at. Well, know?
0: the interesting thing about asking something like that to him is that notoriously everyone acts like he doesn't answer questions. But what he does do is actually just answer exactly what you asked him. He always answers questions precisely, but like a sphinx which is to say he doesn't come down on one side or another but he will answer your question.
1: Uh, I mean somet I mean all the painters painting you know just to bring it back like the painters painting interview questions he's like I don't know what a neo data is what's what's a neo like it's just like you know to say oh what's a neo dada like he's just like you're asking me to describe something that i don't think is actually describable like what you know, it's you know, this well, Socratic what, well, kind what of thing of like you describe it and I'll tell you describe it better because you're being
0: obtuse yourself asking me to narrow something down. Of course. Well what what he says is what about Dada? What about Dada? What kind of a question is that? That is the answer. Yeah.
1: But you know that's why you gotta throw him the like between two Fernsian
0: kind of question of like i think well look i can't tell you how he would respond but i think he would get two different answers if you asked jasper johns do you believe in aliens and do you believe in ufos i think that would actually be very distinct in his mind
1: hmm maybe i don't know I think we've lost the thread about going down the the gray well, pass, well, path. Well, no, but, we're we're
0: talking we're talking about the little child. I mean, I don't I don't think we've lost I don't think we've lost the thread really mm. because I think where you end up because we're talking about late period yeah. Johns. We can get back to more concrete things in a second, but what's fascinating to me about his late work is I do think you end up in a place where no matter how hard you try to investigate the question of what is it to be a body in time and what does it mean as you're decaying you do end up in a place that is pretty mystical at the end of the day excuse explain well to use the example of the small child with the large head and the way that that's always positioned in the paintings this is where i was going it's positioned way farther back illusionistically than Jasper Johns ever does. Why is there so much illusion at the end of his life around this shadow of a child with a too large head? Well, Are you going there? Did you come from there? We don't know.
1: Well, the closer question is, why is there shadow? It's not light. Why it's, is it? It's not. It's the spotlights
0: are gone, you know? Well, but in the white postcard paintings, it's light. In the black version of that painting, it's shadow. I think even in the white paintings, it's pretty,
1: it's, it's shadow angles, shadow, it's, it's shadow cast silhouette, even if it's bright, it has all the mathematical, uh,
0: indicators that it's a shadow. Okay. But then ask yourself what you're looking at. If you're looking at a bright shadow. That makes no sense. Are you looking into the tunnel of light at the end of your life? Well. If you look at the dark version of the painting, are you looking back into your own history? I mean, you don't know. Well, think about it this way. Think think about two things.
1: Think about Pompeii, ash people, shadows of themselves. They're light. They're, they're cast. And then think about like um, atom bomb drop shadows, white ash. Right. Can, can spread very deeply into the, it can extend very far in the exact outline. And I don't think that's out of the realm of what you're thinking about as an old person. You're just like, what, what, what kind of shadow am I casting? Yeah. What level of dust am I leaving behind? Like, are you encased in your own, you know, concrete cocoon because you melted alive and then you're just kind of stuck in that position forever? You know, or do you have a little bit
0: of, do you have a frayed edge? You know, or in the same sense that the skeletons wear a hat. Why is the head bigger on the shadow? If that's him, maybe all, that's all I've earned over the course of my life is a bigger head and a child's body. I'm a skeleton with a hat.
1: I want to be a skeleton with a hat, but that's, you know, give me a jump rope though. Right. I do need a jump rope that i won't use um that's why i think like the the i don't know i think the skeletons are a little bit more because they get i don't know i i there's something about taking the piss out of yourself yeah they're very silly well but no because they start like they start showing up with the like returned fbi paintings and you're just like huh he's just like well thought this was dead but the bones are still there. The bones are still... It's like talking... Like, you're knocking around like, oh, I'm buying a house. Well, the bones are still good, but we got to rip out all this. Everything on the inside is a mess. You know, like, the floors are cr- trash. The walls got to go down to the lathe. Like, this is why you do the knee drawing. You're like, he probably had a knee replacement. He's like, well, we had to take out parts.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, and those returned FBI draw- uh, paintings were supposed to be of the seasons. They Which were is, related yeah, to that series. And like, he was like... well whatever fuck this
1: well that was when i thought i was old well what a little child 20 years ago thought what a little bitch now you're just a bag saggy bag of bones um like funny hilarious yeah like i i don't know i i can't get over the like you know being like so self-serious and then also arriving on the whole idea of like well i'm just a sack of bones
0: he has a pork pie hat on because I was watching Breaking Bad, and I thought, wasn't Walter White a funny image?
1: I also am the one who knocks. <laughs> um, I'm going to do one. I'll do a skeleton, but it's just
0: the skeleton with wall bees on. Okay.
1: That's two on the nose.
0: We don't need that in our lives. Well, you know, it's hard to rip off Jasper Johns, man. Now everyone's going to know. Well, I, I did have this idea.
1: I want to go to, you know, Spirit, we're in the season, we're in spooky season now. I want to go to Spirit Halloween. And do they sell, like, skeleton hands or just skeleton arms? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I think we could do some things with some skeleton arms. Like what? I don't know. I, I You know, I like fingies, fingies and hands. Why don't we get break out some, skele- you know, little, you know, ooky, spooky skeleton oh, arms? Oh, well,
0: we didn't talk about it thus far at all, but one of the most amazing rooms in philly to me was the room of test prints oh because ooh, baby those are truly unseen things where you're like these are all from jasper johns's personal collection because these are not art really no but people sold them and the people on them these are just oh, i'm going to try a one-off and it's whatever
1: Ooh, who brought black
0: paper can i can i use that please i would like to put some stuff on it well, and there was an entire series in that room that was meant to illustrate a book that never came to be. Was that the fingies and stuff? All the finger gestures. I did not like
1: some of those finger gestures because ooh, baby. Well, they're very provocative, right? I was like, "Are we into fisting?" There's a lot of fisting hands. That's why I I put on Instagram the like two fingies and the f- and I just did the <gasps> face because I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." My friend. I think you know what you're doing.
0: Well, hey, look, Maplethorpe had just died. Maybe John's was at the mine shaft. I doubt you it. Know? He
1: would have been 64. I don't think he was rooting around the cellar, you know, from Connecticut. That's a long drive.
0: Well, anyway, I don't think it would be a bad idea to go to the Halloween store and get skeleton arms and hands and yeah, ooky, do some skeleton parts? provocative gestures with them.
1: I think that also they're kind of fun. They're funny and stupid. Yeah, of course. Like, they don't have to be a reference, but they're an aside reference. They're a round-the-way reference.
0: Well, the thing about referencing Jasper Johns is you never quite have to do it. Because his It's everywhere, yeah. His themes are universal. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to be read as a reference to him. No. I have precedence, too. I did pumpkin paintings. Sure. I can get a, a pumpkin
1: painting. Um yeah no i think it would be i i don't know it just it's you don't ever think of like i mean well i can't say that to you that looking at Jasper johns is you know usually not generative because you're like well you did it first and you did it best Lahaim, hats off um but like you get one little thing where you're like mm, you still haven't figured all of this out which is fun for everyone And I think that's what the late stuff kind of gives you the opportunity to feel good about as like a a much younger person. Is that like you can be at the end of the road. Yeah. And be like, I still don't have it all figured out. And I have to work through it through how many fucking drawings and how many different versions. And like, this is maybe the last painting that I'll make, but I still have to test run it 20 different times. Well, and at the end, dude,
0: whoa. At the end of the day, the themes are really basic and you don't have to stray that much from cliche to get your point across, but you do have to be pointed about it. You do have to have a point of view on universal themes. That's all.
1: Or maybe you don't. Maybe you have to figure out, you know, at the end of the day, why it's a cliche. Like the... the overuse you know you know we think of overuse as being you know being the the cause of a cliche but why you know figuring out why people overused it in the first place is maybe you know the harder project i
0: don't think you have to figure out why people overused it i think you have to figure out an avenue for rediscovering its overuse
1: or proper overuse well Pro- you know, know,
0: I don't know if any of this is relevant because we're just talking about subject matter here. Yeah. Like talking about skeletons or a galactic map or whatever. It's not that interesting who's used it before. Nobody cares. What's your what's your angle on it that expresses your deeply held philosophy the most accurately? Think about that first.
1: Yeah. This is why the sculpt metal skeletons are very strange. You're just like, what? We're reaching so far back in time in your own work to do the like test thing of a thing that is a kind of like daily rumination on your impending doom. But why cast it in a metal that's not metal? That's some kind of fluid that also does the same thing as encaustic. It dries or, or it cools. It goes from... It changes states. You know, at the end of the day, like what we're talking... Even this is what printing is, right? Like different states of a print. That's the closest thing to cooling that you can get in printmaking. Or this is why you do prints instead of drawings. You're, you 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 need to get to what state things can be in. right? And that's... I think that's the end question is like, what is the state of what state am I in, in my making when this resolves physically in time? You know, like there's a lot of, you know, because even the untitled thing has this. It's like, what state physically is the body are the body parts in? Because they're all sagging off of the fucking armature.
0: Yeah, I guess I would just say. What state are we in that I can describe? Yeah, we th- we the humans.
1: Yeah, because this little gray fucker in the, the what corner st- of my paintings is going
0: to come and beam us off to Mars, and the, you're like, ah. The what state am I in? Should always be secondary. Well, I think you know as you're, you get, as you,
1: you get closer
0: to death at you know ninety two, you you get a you get the past to be like, what state am I in? Well, you've earned Oof. it, but we're not there. Nobody that listens to this is there. Like, you don't need to worry about what you're up to. You need to worry about, what are we up to? How do I summarize that? And then you'll eventually get to, what am I doing within that? I would maybe flip some of that around, but, you know. Well, maybe that's I don't know. That's just our difference of opinion. That's fine. I, I don't think that... Focusing on yourself is what makes Jasper Johns good. I think what makes him funny and also have a lot of gravitas later in his career is that he's earned the ability—the
1: self-consciousness be unique.
0: pass. But you don't start with that; you end with that. Well, think about when you're teaching students. Like, can I rephrase
1: before we? make that turn. I I think it's a matter of like, you know, in the contemporary it's about you have to find your voice, right? You have to find your voice. And Jasper Jones is like, fuck a voice. I I don't know what you mean by a voice. I, we all have voices. If I open my mouth and the air comes out, I have a voice, right? You know, uninteresting in that regard, right? Uninterested as a as a maker. Right. And then at the end of the day, or at the end of all the days, he's like, "My voice is that I'm pretty fucking clever, and I will I will admit that to myself when I do these things that might be just be for me." I would say that, and that little, it's not selfish though, because it's like there is a universal aspect to it, and you go, "Thank you, sir," um, but you know that it, that self deprecation at at ninety, it's not a put on. No. It's literally
0: just like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and, oh, my saggy tits. The art has to be what you can't help from doing. It's the helplessness that is the point. Sure. That's a paraphrase of his yeah. iconic quote, yeah. but that's what it comes to. And so when an old man uh, who's been very astute and very successful in his artistic career eventually gets humorous and gets individual at the end of the day it's because that's what he can't help but doing but you don't start from there you earn your individuality you don't have it from the beginning you have something in common with other people yeah which is a, a body in time and generic symbolism this is the baseline that all artists should probably start from and think about and then over time, you develop that into a mature style and coherent philosophy that can be alternatively humorous and heartbreaking. You get to wear the tragedy and comedy mask eventually. You don't get to have it from the beginning. Well, you
1: don't... It's. I mean, that's why, you know, you graduate from school, they don't give you all they give you is a piece of paper they don't give you a personality yeah so also side note on roly-poly land the hallway of prince in philly yeah so there's a computer that prints out a different arrangement of all the drawings every day this is why there's wow. art jail in the back so they can rehang it a couple times oh that's an interesting idea yeah so that that's a john cage like program or some kind of nonsense yeah so there, there's a hallway in Philadelphia where everything's hung all like in key arrangements, and you go with the like gold medallions, which I fucking hate. Um, but there's art jail in the back. I love art jail. I, I think we need more art jail. So like, there's stuff that like they don't want to go to like official storage because then it's a bitch. The art handlers were like, no, this is too hard. Art jail. It also just means that these are things that are available for the the program to use. So our jail can fill up, our can empty out, but they're not going to rehang it every day, but they have, you know, diagrams for every day. So that was the roly poly, whatever was the program.
0: It's based on a John Cage
1: diagram, like musical kind of, piece.
0: Yeah. And they're going to occasion. not musical piece, but like pro- program program. Yeah, sure. So they're going to rehang that. Interesting idea. It makes it more attractive to go back to Philadelphia to see yeah. the show because there was a lot of prints in when, Art Jail that were great. Yes. When Will says Art Jail, you walk through a gallery of prints and then you get to three like cages, literal like chicken coops. Yeah. They're like wooden boxes, which with if you chicken wire, which over maybe
1: them. if you bring bolt cutters next time you go to Philadelphia, could one could. <laughs> But one could liberate a couple prints. Uh I don't know how far you'd get, but if you have any ideas on how you could get very far away,
0: I'm imagine, I'm imagining that scene in, in Oceans Eleven where the old casino owner, he they go to the, him and they're like, We wanna rob this casino, and he's like, There's only ever been four close attempts at robbing a casino, and he's like, The 185 and it's like a guy running out the door with a arm full of money and the and and it all flies up in the air and he goes into the fountain well you'd get about that far
1: well i would stop to get you know my parking validated so i would be slowed down a little bit yeah
0: well yeah anyway there's a lot of like really nice prints that are just hung in these chicken coops at the end of a gallery and (sighs) you're like wait why isn't that out i would love to see that one but i love the idea that yeah eventually they will be out yeah I uh, you know this
1: is why the internet is good sometimes you you read a thing and it's like, Oh, here's a printout from the thing, and this is the diagram for rehang, and you're like, Oh, and then that just moves to the next shot of like this is where they're stored for the rehang. I was like,
0: Oh huh. um, has John Yao written anything yet? About I didn't see this? anything yet okay I, I would just be curious to know because I mean
1: do a cursory search
0: I don't know i I don't know, not right now, but I'm looking forward to that yeah um uh ben davis just was like here's some stuff and you're like any thoughts
1: he's like no here's pictures i'm like okay all right dude you went to the press review cool 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 all right um this is to say we're endorsing philadelphia tourism um we're also endorsing Lower West Side Manhattan tourism, go to Sugarfish after you go see John's, you know, maybe don't buy a membership or if you want to use my card, I'm now a member. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not only a subscriber, I'm a member too.
0: Um, hair clip for men joke.
1: You know about the hair clip for men?
0: I know what it is, but oh, well. I don't get the joke and that's fine.
1: I'm bald, so hair clip for men. Yeah. Hmm. So it was like the hymns before hymns. I know what it is. <laughs> really deflating my attempt at comedy. How dare you? This is a yes and program.
0: Oh, really? Guess what it feels like. No buts. <laughs> That's my Jasper Johns retrospective. No buts. What haunting just happened in the kitchen? The greys. They're here. <sighs>
1: All right, so how are we going to take out this small child with a giant head? Um, we've got enough bottle. We've got two wine bottles, so
0: just crack at it. Just go from there. Hmm. Sniper rifle. You have one of those handy? No, I was just thinking about the GoldenEye video game. Big Head Mode. Oh.
1: <laughs> All right, well, on that note, Big Head Mode is the title of ep. Well, it's actually called DK
0: Mode. What? I made a mistake yeah donkey kong mode yeah which is kind of problematic when you think about it seems racist yeah sure is <sighs> just like philadelphia no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bye